0: Today's Transmissions podcast is brought to you by 80stees.com. 80stees.com has an incredible selection of Transformers shirts and hoodies, including some amazing Transformers costume hoodies. Transform into Grimlock, Megatron, or even Optimus Prime with the 80stees.com costume hoodies. Hello, all sentient beings, and welcome to the Transmissions podcast, where we talk about all news, toys, and comic books related to the... On this special episode of Transmissions, we welcome comic book artist Casey Collar, whose work can be seen on the covers of More Than Meets the Eye and Robots in Disguise. We'll talk about Hasbro's toy announcements at Toy Fair 2014, and we'll be diving back into pulp culture with a visit to Branded in the 80s. We have all of this and so very much more on this episode of Transmissions.
1: Welcome to Transmissions, the podcast about a truck that needs a friend to save the world. I feel dirty. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent Transmissions team. Yusuf, better known as Yoshi. Yo! Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Howdy. And Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast.
2: Hey everybody, how's it going? Let's talk Transformers.
1: All right, and uh, before we start the show, we just wanted to mention uh, a bit of a sad note that we found out this week, so uh, Jeremy, why don't you uh, uh, let us know about that?
3: Yeah, we wanted to mention that um, JD Church, who was uh, one of the hosts of Radio Free Cybertron and a few other podcasts, suddenly passed away last week, and I guess by the time people hear this, a couple weeks, it was February 12th, but... Apparently, he, he didn't have insurance, and the the podcast Radio Free Cybertron is taking up a collection for his wife to help cover expenses, so um, yeah, we wanted to extend our condolences to everyone that knew him, and um, he seemed to be you know, a really well-liked guy in the community. And to mention their page they have set up for the collection, uh, it's jd, and it takes you to a um, gift-forward page that lets you, um, donate money and it goes to his wife. And, you know, it's just, it was a sudden loss. And, um, from everything I've heard, I haven't heard anyone say a bad thing about him. So, you know, we wanted to just give our thoughts to everyone that knew him.
1: Yeah. So definitely if you can, if you, and if you feel like, uh, you know, you can do it, uh, please go over there and, and try and give a little bit to his family. So, All right, so uh, we're going to move on with the show, and we do have a special guest this week. So, uh, Yoshi, why don't you tell us who you've brought with you today?
0: I have brought Mr. Casey Collar. He's a comic book artist for IDW Publishing who's made a name for himself as a cover artist. Uh, He broke into the industry having made the uh, uh, homage cover of The Killing Joke for All Hell Megatron Issue 1. Casey, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, are you ready for some serious, hard hitting questions? Yes. The more serious, the better. All right. <laughs> um, what would you say was the point in your life where you decided, or you came to the realization that you wanted to be a comic book artist?
4: Um, I would say that probably happened, uh, maybe around sixth, seventh grade. Um, I'd always like to draw and, uh, uh, I would draw in school when I was supposed to be doing other things, and it uh, was one time in the lunchroom. I was, I think, I was drawing um, a transformer, uh, maybe one of my old toys. But uh, uh, one of my friends at school came up to me and said, "Hey, you should draw a picture of Wolverine." And I said, "Who's Wolverine?" <laughs> so <laughs> he brought me in a comic book, and uh, I was able to uh, find out the wonderful world of Marvel. I kind of became a big Marvel fan. I had read Transformers comics before, but uh, that kind of that moment kind of was when I thought, you know, maybe I should try to really do this, do this comic book thing. I'd always like to draw, but uh, it kind of made me think maybe I could actually be one of these guys. If I had to pinpoint one moment, I guess that would be it.
0: Well, we've all seen the, uh, the TF Con sketch you did for Daryl of Wolverine, and that thing looks pretty savage.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Quite amazing.
0: <laughs> I was glad to do it. it was fun so uh, how did you break into the comic book industry
2: um well that was um
4: my first cover like you mentioned was the uh the killing joke cover or that was my first official work in the comic book industry um I think I got their attention by there was a there was a contest on the i d w forums a a cover artist contest um which a lot of people entered and uh surprisingly to me, I actually wound up winning. Um, going into the last round, I honestly, I saw some of the other talent in there and I was like, Oh my God, there's no way I'm going to win this thing. And, uh, so I wound up winning it. Uh, and then, you know, there was never really any guaranteed work out of that deal. Um, they said they would, you know, your work would be shown to like Chris Ryall and and the head editors at IDW. Um, but a few weeks had gone by and I hadn't really heard anything from them about you know getting work um, and so I decided to uh, I, I found out this thing called BotCon was going on in uh, Cincinnati and uh, I bought myself a plane ticket and headed on down there and I met uh, Denton Tipton and Chris Mowry and a couple other people at IDW and just basically introduced myself and uh, you know tried to give them a face to, to put with the name. They, they had uh, heard of me from the cover contest and uh, I gave them a portfolio and just, I try not to bug them too much, but just basically make myself known. I had a good time at the convention, went home and uh, couldn't have been more than a week or two later. I, I got an email from Chris Ryle with the uh, job offer for the killing joke cover. Um, and that was an idea that was already put together by uh, Mario Coleman, who, um, uh, ran Apocalypse Comics in England, who are the ones who um, commissioned that cover. And uh, they needed somebody to do it on the fly. And I was very happy to be that guy. And uh, so that's kind of how it all happened. Was that your first attempt to break into the industry? Um, I suppose it would have been my first um, recent attempt. I Back out of high school, like way longer ago than I'd like to Think <laughs> like in the uh, mid '90s, I, I applied to Marvel and DC and got uh, you know the the rejection letters and stuff, and uh, you know that kind of put me off of it. I guess you know I, I wasn't like shattered or anything, but I was just kind of like, oh well, I guess that's not going to work out, and just kind of moved on. I didn't really keep at it, but um, I'd say a good, I guess, almost ten years had gone by since I really gave it another thought again to, uh, you know, that, that had to be around 1995 and it was 2008 when I got my first cover. So I had been kind of working at it for maybe a year or two before I finally got that break. So yeah, it, that was my first more recent attempt to get back in. I, I, I just had that luck, that good fortune of having that cover contest come around and, and somehow managing to win it.
0: Okay. Um, was there, was there any specific event or anything that got you into drawing or was that just something you always did whenever you had spare time? It's something I I kind of always remember doing,
4: even going back to being uh, a really little kid. I I remember I would literally take my toys and, uh, my markers and I would put my toy on top of a piece of paper and trace around it with like a black (laughs) marker. And then I'd pull the toy away and look at it and then kind of fill in the rest with the colors. And, uh, you know, just being into cartoons and, and stuff like that, I, I guess I just kind of was, uh, I don't know, attracted to the uh, animation and stuff and just kind of kept on trying to draw. So, yeah, I guess as long as I can remember, I've been
0: uh, kind
4: of attracted to drawing. Cool.
0: Uh, many in the fandom have rallied behind your work in hopes that you might do regular interiors for a book. Um, is there any reason why you haven't or, or aren't doing that kind of work? Uh, yeah, the the main reason is uh, that I, I I do have another job that uh,
4: it it provides really well for myself and my family. Um, I guess I got to be careful how I say this. I don't want to say anything, you know, to make IDW look bad. But uh, it's just the good fortune of this other job that uh, you know they they pay me pretty well. Plus, you know, I get uh, benefits and and you know, contributions towards a 401k and things like that, where freelance work doesn't really do that for you. Right. So, you know, right now that that's pretty much the smartest thing for, for me to be doing, but, you know, I'm always looking for opportunities. Um, you know, if something were to come up, I wouldn't rule it out, I guess is what, what I'm looking to say, uh, you know, returning to a, a comic book at some point, but, um, right now that that's really the best choice for for me and my family but i i'm really happy that idw is kind of cool with me staying on board uh with covers um and you know the occasional fill-in work here and there so are we <laughs> thank you it's nice to, to you know i feel like um you know i don't want people to forget about me so it's nice that uh I see online people. People kind of on uh, Twitter or Facebook or whatever will kind of reach out to me and and uh, you know let me know that uh, you know they they like my work and wish I could do more and it makes me feel bad that I can't. But at the same time, it's nice to know that my work is appreciated still and not not really forgotten. Charles, you got a follow up question?
1: Yeah, uh, I just noticed that we've been getting a lot of covers from you on Dark Cybertron, and I was and also with all the the spoiler images that were released last month, I think those were all uh covers by you for the the upcoming three books that are coming out in April. And I was, I was just wondering if you're going to continue on covers on like all the titles going forward, or if you're sticking on, on one particular book.
4: <laughs> well, Hey, that would be great. I would love that, but I suppose I have to share some of them uh with the other guys. Um, I I'll still be the regular guy on RID and, um, I don't know. They seem to like to reach out to me when they have something, um, something different, something special. Like, uh, I I know I'm not unique in that way because, uh, Livio also had the three covers for those same three issues that kind of connect together. It was funny. I didn't, it's kind of a similar thought to what, what I did with my three covers and and neither of us had any idea what the other one was doing, but, um, uh, and like the, um, Rock and roll album covers that I did last year, like the David Bowie uh, and the uh, Beatles "Sgt. Pepper" cover that I did. Like, I'm lucky enough that they they reach out to me for things like that sometimes. But um, as far as my regular gig, it'll it'll just be the RID covers, hopefully for a long time.
1: Okay did Did you come up with the idea for those rock and
4: roll covers last year? Uh, no, they were chosen by the the writers of, of each comic. Oh, okay. uh, you, you should have seen the email I got from James um, <laughs> describing the uh, "More Than Meets the Eye" cover, which actually I really appreciated because uh, when I first heard the idea, I thought, "Oh man, I really want to make uh, you know each character appear where he would make sense on this." I mean, you, you've seen the Sergeant Pepper's album cover. I really want to switch every item and every character was something that makes sense and it's going to take forever to figure that out. So, James was kind of apologetic for sending this long email explaining exactly what he wanted, but he kind of did half the work for me in figuring out, uh, you know, what character was going to go where. So, I did appreciate that.
1: <laughs> oh,
4: cool.
0: Yeah. Um, can you describe your drawing process to us?
4: Yeah. Um, I start out, I have a uh, Cintiq tablet, um I'll I'll get for a cover, for instance, I'll get, when I'm lucky, I'll get a full script that I can read and kind of, you know, um, come up with an idea on my own. Um, Most of the time, though, I do mine so far ahead of time that the scripts might not even be finished by the time um, they want my cover in for a previews magazine. So I'll just get an email from Carlos or John saying, hey, can you draw whatever a picture of nova prime and galvatron looking mean or something and so i go okay and uh, i'll uh, start on my cintiq and do a a digital rough sketch and i'll send it out to to those guys sometimes i'll do two or three of them and ask them what they like best and um they they'll, they'll kind of give me their feedback once i get the the vision that they want to see i take my rough sketch and i change it to a very light blue color, and then I print it out on the physical artboard. Um, then, usually, I would do, I'll tighten up pencils over my rough sketch on the artboard, uh, and then I ink it. So, really, even though I start digital, my pencils and inks are still, um, you know, on paper, traditional artwork. Um, but I like to start digital because, especially when you're doing interiors, even when you're roughing out pages, you start to draw draw characters in where they're supposed to appear. And, um, you know, if you're just doing that on paper and you're, you're like going along and thinking, God, this guy really needs to be a little bigger or I need to move him over to the left a little bit. You know, when you're on the computer, you just, you know, circle him, drag him, whatever, enlarge, shrink, move it around. So during the rough skate stage, it's really handy to have that uh, uh, digital aspect working for you. But I definitely, for the finishes, I definitely
0: like to stick to traditional uh, pencil and inks. So I think that about covers it. So what you send back for the colorists, if you're not coloring, is that, is that just a scan of the pencils or do you go in and, and digitize it? Oh no, I, I,
4: I do full inks on paper and, uh, then I scan it back into the computer. Okay. It's usually Joanna doing the colors.
0: Have you, have you, uh, in your experience tried any other solutions besides, um, the Wacom tablets? Um, no, I, I, I haven't had uh, a chance to experiment
4: with anything else, but uh I do, I kind of uh, look forward to the day where I can have, uh and I think Wacom is coming out with something where I can basically have it on my, my iPad or an iPad like device and, uh, you know, do the equivalent of what you can do in a Cintiq on that kind of small screen, just bring it anywhere with me.
0: God, that would be so nice.
4: I think that would be really nice. I know they have drawing pads you can do for, for the iPad and for tablets like that. Um, but anything I've, I've ever seen or messed with, it either doesn't have the uh, pressure sensitive, um, aspect, or I don't know, it's just not really working for me.
0: Okay. Um, are there any projects transformers or otherwise you're currently working on or would like to work on? Um, right now uh i'm just sticking to the
4: rid covers although um there may be a few of those fill in pages coming up somewhere sometime um <laughs> and as far as what i'd like to do um, yeah really uh, the the one thing in comics that i that i can say i really aspire to do someday is to do something like creator owned um Kind of my own thing i i have a whole like slew a whole folder full of superhero and you know maybe not superhero but comic-ish characters that i think have some potential um so one day i hope to do something with them and get them kind of out into the world whether it goes anywhere or not who knows but um that that's really the one thing that i feel uh like passionate about that i'd really like to do someday i mean doing marvel stuff would be cool and you know, I kind of sound like I'm poo-pooing it or whatever. It would be amazing to work for Marvel or DC or whatever or do those traditional heroes. But um, as far as something that I feel kind of deep down that I'd really like to do, it would be something creator-owned. Well, we, we live in a day and age where that can really take off for you. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, That whole time thing is my only obstacle. But yeah. there are a lot of opportunities out there, which I'm encouraged by.
0: Let's see. Is there a writer that's just easier or harder to work with? Um, I've worked with a handful of writers, and um, I think I've gotten on pretty well
4: with with all of them. I, I've really enjoyed working with all the different writers that I've worked with. Um, I've got to give Shane a lot of credit, Shane McCarthy. Uh, my first book, Spotlight Blur, uh, I worked with him on, and uh, I got a chance to meet up with him at uh, my first San Diego Comic-Con back in 2008, and he actually gave me a lot of really good uh, pointers, um, even from a, a writing perspective. He's, he's a little more descriptive than some with his uh, uh, you know, panel layouts, like throwing in camera angles and things like that, that he'd like to see. Um, and I think early on, I, I really learned a lot from seeing his vision put down on paper. Um, but everyone, everyone's been great. Mike Costa actually has, was really great to work with on Ironhide. Uh, The last issue of Ironhide, he, you guys probably already know this, but um, I kind of said that was going to be my last book, my last full issue. So he kind of reached out to me and said, you know, half this issue is going to be this enormous battle between Ironhide and all these Insecticons. Like, is there anything you want to do? Do you want to, do you want me to include anything in the script that you'd like to draw and he essentially let me basically do the entire first half of that issue on my own, whatever I wanted to really. Mm. Um, the uh, that the Autobot ship, the Tryon—I don't know if you guys remember that—kind um, of when Ironhide sneaks into that and starts blasting Insecticons, and the whole thing blows up in the end. Um, that ship, I kind of got to design back in All Hell Megatron Number Five, and it crashed on Cybertron. So I told him, you know, I think it'd be cool if if they stumbled across the Tryon. So he kind of took that and went with it and wrote the sequence where he starts blasting and then the ship blows up and the whole thing. But it was really cool of him, I thought, to reach out to me and, and uh, you know, offer me the chance to essentially write the entire action sequence uh, as I drew it in in that last issue of Ironhide. And he, he wrote me a very nice uh, message to try to beg me to come back for um transformers number 31 which which obviously i did so i really enjoyed working with mike and and again this isn't to say anything i've never had a negative experience with a writer um that i've worked with Uh, obviously it was a dream come true to work with simon um which you guys may or may know i did an issue of the uh uk uh titan transformers comic one of the the original movie i think it was in in continuity of the first live action movie um So I did one of those issues with him, which was pretty much a dream come true for me. Um, So, but yeah, everybody that I've worked with has been great.
2: Which which book was that? The Simon Furman one?
4: It was. uh, There's a a UK publisher called Titan. Yeah, book something like that. It was. I think it was number twenty-one. Okay. I can't remember the title of the the issue, but uh, it was eleven pages. Um, It had something to do with like jazz. Was kind of brainwashed, became evil, and Prime kind of fought him. For a okay. Bit. Um, yeah. So
3: yeah, that was me. It was issue twenty one. Just found it on the wiki. I'll look that up. And- All right.
4: Don't judge me too harshly. <laughs> I was kind of rushed
2: on that one. I felt that. <laughs> I'll judge. I will judge. Judge okay. All right. <laughs> judge <Wade. laughs>
0: so, uh, in a perfect world, what uh, what comic book would you like to draw? And it doesn't have to be Transformers.
4: Um. So is that something that, that already exists out there? Sure. I mean, it, I, I grew up reading Spider-Man. It would be really, really cool to draw, like, a Spider-Man book, like an issue or a, uh, a few-issue mini or something like that. I always loved the X-Men, although I haven't read any of this in years, and I, I'm a little scared of, um, like, the continuity. It's just so – I mean, so much has happened. I, I feel like I would have to uh, – you know, do so much research into, uh, you know, finding out what these characters are like to to draw them. It kind of scares me off a little bit, but but I always loved X-Men, especially like the uh, Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely run. Um, I really loved that. I loved the style they did. I'd love to do something like that. Um, you know, I'd like to do something a little different, like, uh, <laughs> like regular show. There's a regular show a comic book. Like I don't have a very cartoony style, like at all. So it would be fun to do something totally out of my element like that.
5: Uh-huh.
4: Um, plus, I imagine it would be a lot easier than drawing robots. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but something like that would be really cool. Maybe My Little Pony. Who knows? <laughs> my daughter would get a kick out of that.
0: Well, that's a that's a great segue into the next question because we've we've all noticed you posting pictures that you and your daughter have done of My Little Pony on Twitter. Yes. Um, it is, is this a sign that she might be looking into getting into that business or is this just the two of you having fun and sharing it?
4: Really? It's just, it's just us having fun. She's a really, really good little artist. She's eight years old right now. And, um, we've been drawing together since she could hold a pencil. Uh, we used to, I used to work, uh, a second shift job. So I would be with her all day when she was really young, you know, one, two, three, I can't remember exactly what point we started to scribble on paper, but we would just literally, I I have notepads filled with her scribbles with my scribbles, I guess I'll say. Um, So she is a really good little artist, especially for an eight year old. And uh, obviously she loves my little pony. So we have fun drawing that together. Um, And she, she does talk about, you know, maybe someday I could be an artist like you, daddy. Um, which would be cool. Uh, I could also see her doing something you know in, with like animal rights. She's very passionate for an eight-year-old about <laughs> animal rights and, and you know social justice and things like that. She's a, a really wonderful little girl. and I'm not just saying that because I'm her dad, but uh, she, I could totally see her uh,
0: becoming an artist. She, she's really good. That's really cool. I think we'd all like to see a father-daughter team at some point.
4: Yeah, you know, I thought about bringing her to a convention and having her sit next to me and,
0: you know, with
4: how popular My Little Pony is in pop culture, she could probably, you know, sell some sketches and prints. Who knows? Heck, yeah.
0: My <laughs> wife would buy them, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot of people would. <laughs> Alright, so as somebody that's actually working in the comics industry, what what is your take on the whole digital versus physical comics market?
4: I like having the option of digital comics. Uh, it's been a really good resource for me. Um, I know I, I've needed reference for a few things. There was some stuff that, you know, I couldn't find really clear pictures on a Google search or whatever. And, you know, I know the books out there, so I'll just jump on to comixology and, and grab the issue and then, uh, you know, have the reference I need. Um, I don't have uh, it's a little closer than you yusuf <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I don't really have a comic book store near me i have to drive about 45 minutes to to get to a comic shop so uh-huh. um it's really handy for me when i when i need to grab something um i like having physical copies of uh of the comics that i would collect
0: um but i also like that digital option i really do uh where do you see the industry in 5 to 10 years uh hopefully still alive <laughs> um i i don't know i don't know to be honest um i'd like
4: to think with, with the amount of uh movies and television that are that are based on comics and graphic novels that uh it'll still be looked at as a resource so um you know especially with marvel being owned by disney and stuff like that it'll, it'll have kind of enough backing to to continue so i don't really see it going away but um honestly i don't i don't i can't envision where it'll that it'll be much different, really.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Hopefully, it'll be more successful. I mean, I'd love to see a big boom like in the '90s with Image Comics, where you know, all of a sudden, you know, all you have to do is is throw a pitch at an editor, and you can get your own book, and it'll sell a thousand copies with twenty different covers and all that. But uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, hey, that'd be cool. I don't I don't know, honestly. I, I that's kind of a weak answer, but I don't really know where i expect it to be other than still
0: alive that that answer works for me all right what are your thoughts on piracy and torrents and all that stuff
4: um again i i don't i don't really i don't really have a lot of thoughts on it to be honest i mean i think the people that are going to do that are going to do that and uh i'm sure it's existed in some form for a long time i know it has with music i mean shoot even when i was a kid make my friend a copy of a cassette tape, you know, you don't have to go buy it here. I'll make you a copy. Boom. Um, obviously torrents can be a lot more widespread than making a copy of a cassette for your friend. But I don't know. I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about that stuff. Um, and unless it becomes a really obvious threat to what I do, you know, then I'll probably start thinking about it. But right now it's not really on my radar. Um, as such, I don't do it because, like I told you guys before i'm not I'm kind of like not a computer guy, so all that stuff makes me nervous. I don't want to open up my computer to whatever else might be coming into it along with whatever comic I'd be trying to get um but yeah, I guess I don't even really think about it to be honest, okay
0: this is usually where I jump in and I grill whoever we're we're interviewing, but uh that's okay <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't have anything to hide. It work. might not be fair for me to just let this one slide, so I'm I'm gonna I, I, let me see if I can compose this question on the fly. Um, so we, you and I, kind of live in two different worlds, but we both live uh, some distance away from a real comic book store. Uh-huh. Um, and my whole issue with with the digital option on Comixology or, or any of them, really, is that they're all they all have uh, digital rights management attached to them. So I can't purchase a, a comic online and share it with anybody. Or if I pass away, I can't guarantee that my kids or my wife or whoever can can have those books. Or I can't choose to give this book to a friend. Um, which is why I just don't purchase anything online books-wise or, or, or other, or music for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, a. and maybe I'm naive in thinking that, but I think that's a big reason why people do pirate. Um the the flip side to that might be that you know the more the more transformers in this case can get out the more people that are reading it whether it's legal or not you're you're spreading the brand name you're spreading your art you're 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 creating a demand for it that would be beneficial to the industry um which is kind of the side I lean on um knowing this hearing this what what do you think about that
4: yeah, I I see your points completely. Fantastic!
0: Um, yeah,
4: you won't get <laughs> an argument from me. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody. Hey, everybody, go go torrent your books or whatever. No, but, right, right. You know, yeah. I, I honestly, I, I totally see your argument, and you know, I, like I said, I'm not going to
0: encourage it, but I'm not going to, you know, tell you not to do it either. Right, and and. Just for full disclosure, I mean, I, I've got a comic book store in Washington that holds my comics for me to holds them for me until I swing down every six months to pick them up. Right. Um, so yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on to something a little easier. All <laughs> like, right. Cool. Uh, how did you first get into Transformers? What made you a fan? Uh, I think I got hit with a little bit of everything, to be honest. Um, Nineteen
4: eighty four when it came out, uh, I was seven years old um for my birthday i i got jazz somebody gave me that i didn't really know what it was but i was like wow this thing's pretty cool um you know right around the same time i'm a kid i'm watching cartoons Whoa, what's this Uh, that's my toy wow that's awesome go down to my barber shop the the guy's got a pile of comics for kids to read transformers comics all right hey these are really cool so i mean i got hit with everything and i was kind of hooked right away um I've always thought of Transformers as like, you know, I've heard people say Transformers are like two toys in one, because you get the car or whatever, and you get the robot. To sure. me, they're they're like three toys in one because I don't think I've looked at an instruction sheet more than maybe two or three times in the 30 years Transformers have been out. It's kind of like a puzzle as well, especially with, you know, some of the more recent toys. They're they're so difficult to, you know, like the the second live action movie optimus prime it's like so difficult to convert it took me like a half hour to figure it out um
2: yeah, you haven't done a lot of masterpiece stuff have you
4: <laughs> no i have i think three masterpiece toys Oh, good good but uh yeah um i mean i guess i kind of got off the subject but um yeah i feel like it's like three toys in one i, I was drawn to all the aspects of it the uh, the, the car the Robot, the puzzle, and the, the story behind it. So I guess, really. I guess that would be it.
0: Who's your favorite character to draw?
4: Uh, my, my usual answer is Jazz, just because there are a lot of them. But uh, I just like Jazz. I like drawing the guys that have personality to them, you know, like, like Starscream. You can draw his face. Like, all the Seeker faces look the same. Well, the three original guys. But you can draw that face, That that head. And by the expression of his face, you know he's Starscream. You know what I mean? Right. Cup, I love IDW Cup with the cigar or the cigar. Um, I think he is so much fun to draw. Um, I, the guys with with a lot of personalities that have faces would would be high on my list. I, I hate to say it because I know, you know, these are fan favorites, but Shockwave, Soundwave, you know, there's no face to work with. I, you can do a lot with body language, but um, I, I just have a lot more fun with, with the guys that have faces. But I would put Jazz and Cup at the top of my list, I guess.
0: The first thing I thought of when you said Shockwave was that uh, original issue number five, where he's kind of breaking the, the fourth wall there and staring at you. Do, you. do you know which one I'm talking about?
4: Absolutely, I do, yeah.
0: Is, so so you're, and, and I understand that's, you know, you you said you can do a lot with body language, which is a lot of what's what's holding that cover together, um, yeah. and you like drawing faces. What what part of the anatomy do you absolutely hate drawing? <laughs> um, hmm, that's a good question. I've heard a lot of artists say, you know, I, I'm just terrible at hands, or I can't do feet, or, or legs have always been a weak spot for me.
2: Yeah, oh, I, I, this is Casey Collar. This is not Rob Liefen. <laughs>
4: you know those clouds of smoke come in handy to cover up the
2: teeth <laughs> or the really 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 big guns yes lots of <laughs> pouches and and transformers with ripped abs um you know what honestly what i struggle with
4: is um like like excessive uh animalistic kibble i guess for lack of a better word i i don't know if struggle is the right word either but uh it's something i don't enjoy drawing like I'm going to make a lot of people are going to hate hearing me say this, but like the Dinobots, I, I'm not a fan of drawing the Dinobots. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's the, the kind of smoother lines of the cars or the jets or whatever, but, uh, I, I think I can pull it off pretty well, but I, I don't, I think a lot of guys have a lot of fun drawing like Dinobots and things like that. Um, but I, I, I guess I would say if if I had to pick something that I don't enjoy drawing as much, that would be it. I do kind of enjoy drawing the hands. Like you mentioned that before, I would say, you know, when I'm, when I'm in a a rut of having to draw a lot of things in a very small amount of time, I'm the type of guy that gets really caught up in details. Like all the little joints between each knuckle, I need to draw each one. And, and yeah, I do get kind of sick of that a little bit. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I guess that that could be on my list, too. But uh, there's not really any any aspect that I really hate, hate doing other than the one thing that I hate doing is rushing something. Um, And I think that's just kind of part of the way the way that I'm made up. I, I, I don't like to draw a character like if there's a character that has, you know, a vent on his forearm that's facing a certain way and it can be at all visible in whatever panel or picture I'm drawing. I have to include that bent in the drawing. You know, I I can't just skip it. It drives me crazy. So that's something that I don't enjoy. It's having to rush my work. Mm -hmm. That movie book I mentioned earlier, I had to take a lot of shortcuts on that. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's terrible, but, you know, it it did bother me. I look at those drawings and think, oh, my God, I I skipped so much that I should have done there. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's something that bothers me. But, you know, I get over it pretty quickly.
3: <laughs> I've heard a lot of people talking about how, like, Optimus Prime is one of those that it's hard to draw because basically it's a faceplate and two eyes. But, I mean, I'm I'm looking at your co- cover for RID 26 when it's Optimus versus Optimus. And, I mean, yeah, yeah. there there's a lot going on in the, those faces, even though, you know, you, you just see the eyes. And it seems to me like certain artists can, can get a lot of emotion out of just that little bit. Yeah, yeah, that
4: that's a big those eyes, that that's you can do a lot with the eyes. And you know, the angle of the head where the way you show it can be very, very heroic looking or, or you know, very menacing. That sharp angle of the face plate. Mm-hmm. You know, you can use that to to, you know, alter the emotion you're trying to show. Uh yeah, prime, I, I definitely don't have a problem with him. I don't really have a problem with anybody, but uh uh, I, I do enjoy drawing Prime and I think yeah you can you can get a lot of emotion even with that faceplate. I'm not a fan of when he takes off the faceplate, but uh
3: Yeah, it's like he's naked.
4: Yeah. I mean I, I didn't watch Prime, but I, I've seen pictures and it looks like that faceplate comes off, he looks like a little baby. I, I just I'm not feeling that look. I, I want yeah. my prime the faceplate. Or whatever that mashed-up-looking thing is in the live-action movies when he takes the faceplate off and tries to talk. I'm not a fan of that.
1: Yeah, I don't understand why they keep doing that. Because they, they must know that people want him to have the faceplate on. Because on all the toys, he always has the faceplate on. They never have a toy with his mouth showing. But
3: Well, they had the Orion Pax figure just now.
1: Okay, well... That,
3: that... And, and it looks so weird. Yeah. <laughs>
4: technicalities yeah i don't know i mean if i had a guess i would say um my guess would be that they are trying to make the character more relatable to like non-transformer fans um you know that like the the parents to take their kids to see the movie or whatever the, the teenagers that just want to go see a you know a summer blockbuster or whatever um maybe they feel like having a face will be more relatable for them I don't know. That's just a totally wild guess, but
3: yeah, I, I, I've had the same thoughts. But I mean, a, a huge generation of people seem to relate to the character just fine. <laughs> you know, from the yeah. '80s,
4: it, it's one of the. To me, it's one of those things that's completely unnecessary. And some yeah. some goober in a boardroom thought of it, and they have no idea what they're talking about. But no, everybody's afraid to say no to them. Right. So. That's
3: my opinion. <laughs> I do like how in, in Spotlight, Ryan packs like one of the whole running gags was he wanted to get back to his body with a faceplate. Yeah, yeah, they they had a little fun
4: with that one.
1: That was cool. At, at the risk of derailing the interview for going on a rant on the live action movie, hey, uh, <laughs> I, I'll just mention that. Yeah, I I agree with uh, with your point about you know them making that decision, but that kind of confuses me because with Bumblebee where Bumblebee is supposed to be the guy that everyone's supposed to relate to. He had a face in the cartoon and they took it away for the live action movie. And they
5: all,
1: and they also made him a mute, which I still have a problem with, but
4: yeah, I, I, I can't figure that out. To be honest, I, I don't really spend a lot of time trying to, but yeah. you know, it, I don't know. They're, they're going to do what they want to do. I'm, I'm sure they have their reasons, but I don't know that it, it, To me, it works on its own. Like, if I'm a non-Transformers fan, like, I I see a lot of people, like, moms. You know, kids' moms that take their kid to see the movie, they think he's cute. All movie's cute with his little beeps and boops and, you know, whatever radio sounds, this and that. Like, it works for them, and that's fine, and I can accept that. But, you know, I just have to think of it as something completely different than what I know. You know what I mean? Very much.
0: you know, I, I I have this conversation with my friends a lot. You know, and and the 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 argument we have is that uh, if if they made a movie that followed the mythology, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as popular. Like like we've been saying, um, I don't know if I agree with that. But if I look at you know the, the only movie I can see that followed the mythology really really well was Watchmen, and that was kind of a block or a box office bomb.
4: Yeah, I. I, yeah, we can go totally off the rails here. I really did not like that movie. Oh, really? I thought it totally missed the point um, of the book in in a lot of a lot of areas. I, I should actually correct myself. I don't want to say I really disliked it, but it was one of those deals where I had really high hopes and it didn't meet up with my expectations.
2: You're not uh, you're not a fan of humongous blue penis.
4: Yeah, that that was a little bit unnecessary. I, I guess you could say that, you know, maybe I'll add that to like my uh, you know, Facebook or Twitter profile. Not a fan <laughs> of big blue penis. But, yeah. Um no, but I don't know. I, I feel like scenes like, like when uh, uh in the alleyway scene where, where um Night Owl and uh Silk Spectre beat up all the criminals, it just the way the scene played out in the movie compared to the way it played out in my mind in the book, were just totally different. Um, I don't know. I I thought the movie was okay. Really? I, I, I own it. I, I have it. I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't think it lived up to the, uh, to the comic. And I don't really know if that's possible. One of those things where like, you can't do like, unless it, you're going to do like a Lord of the Rings thing where you make it into three movies or whatever. Um, Hobbit, I should say. Um, I just don't think you can fit all of that into a movie. I think to do it right, you'd have to do maybe like an HBO series or something like that, where you can do a chunk of it here and there, and, and you know, do it almost like Sin City style. Where I don't know what you guys thought of that movie, but Sin um,
2: City style would work very well for Watchmen.
4: Yeah, or you could literally almost shoot it panel for panel and have a narration go through the you know it's so word heavy in the book that it would probably bore the crap out of a lot of people but yeah. uh people like me I would love it um <laughs> you know all the newspaper clippings and the the uh pirate comic and all of that
2: yeah you know they it did make that that pirate comic into a movie too eh that was a it like, uh, uh, did yeah and uh you had to go searching for that but you know it it is out there
0: well if you get the ultimate Mega deluxe triple dip version of Watchmen. It's included. <laughs> I mean, it's like a four hour movie at that point because they put all the deleted stuff in it, and yeah. they put the pirate comic in it. And you know, I guess the only thing I can say to, to everything that's being said is, you know, they'll they'll never screw up the comic. We will always have that.
4: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I appreciated their efforts, and, and you know, I don't want to. I guess I'm kind of back backing off a little bit. Of, um, but I no, wanna, you
0: hate the movie. It's understood. Uh, get. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I
4: don't. I don't hate the movie. I just had such high hopes for it, and it didn't quite meet it. But but I think going back to Transformers, um, I, don't I don't know, know if they, if they followed the the original mythology. I don't know if it would it would translate well. But I think we would sure enjoy it.
0: <laughs> Has there ever been anything uh, that you've done that's been published that you wish you had a second chance at it? uh yeah i think we we mentioned it a couple times that uk
4: book i would i would uh other than the fact that it would mean i would have to draw live action movie characters um (laughs) i would like to uh have a second chance at that because i think i could have done uh a lot better but um other than that i think i'm pretty well satisfied with with most of my work i am a pretty harsh critic of my own work but i also really believe in in moving on and and you know, instead of reworking what you've already done, move to the next thing and take the lessons you learned and apply it to that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I would say that UK book, I would I would probably like to go back and improve upon it a little bit. Gotcha. Really mostly for the fact that it was my work with Simon and I, I really hold him in such high regard. And um, I'd love to work with him again on something. But, uh, you know, I would
0: want to give him my best effort. You know what I mean? Right. right. I can totally understand that okay um so what are your plans for attending conventions this year uh, well there are quite a few I
4: plan on attending but uh, I'm supposed to let them announce it so oh I'll be I'll be at uh, you know some places where you guys have seen me before
0: I suppose um, and maybe a couple of new places too can you can you tell us roughly how many conventions you want to attend this year I'm thinking I'll probably do about a half dozen uh, give or take I mean I haven't decided. Completely on on some
4: of them, I'm still on the fence on, but um, I'd say yeah, maybe six or seven w- would sound about right. Okay. Any, any
2: Canadian places?
4: <laughs> that might be one that I'm. That might be one that I'm still undecided on, but I, I am pretty excited that uh, that same convention is opening up something in Chicago. That's
0: right, <laughs> Daryl. You should totally have him draw an atomically correct Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: I might have to make the price pretty high on that one.
0: <laughs> what is the price for my dignity? <laughs>
2: <All right. laughs> Color it. Just the penis. <laughs> I want,
4: yeah, I, I'd love to ruin a sketch cover of a Watchmen book with that. That would be great. <laughs> I right. if I live up to the Wolverine uh, and Shana the She-Devil thing. <laughs> I don't think anybody would want to see
0: that either, or at least a lot of people wouldn't some people probably would not many no (laughs) (laughs) let's see Casey do you have a convention story that stands out as a favorite
4: uh I don't really have a uh, like a particular favorite um story but I I think what I really like you mentioned Canada I I really like meeting fans from around the world um I, I like meeting fans from you know locally too um but it's really cool to to meet like there's these folks that come from Japan to BotCon every year and come to my table. And I, I just love trying to converse with them, even though, you know, their English isn't great. And my Japanese basically is non-existent, but um, you know, it's just so cool to think that that there's people all over the world that really love this stuff. Um, you know, as much as I do and, you know, getting a chance to, to talk with everybody from uh, you know, far and wide. Uh, so I'd say not one particular story, but, yeah, just really meeting everybody that comes to these conventions and really cares about the stuff that you do is definitely my
0: my favorite part. I bet that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely.
2: Uh, You mentioned uh, before we started recording that uh, you had listened to the interview we did with uh, Andrew Griffith. Um, Now, he mentioned that uh, he is yet to sign uh, a pair of breasts. Have have you done that yet?
4: Uh, No, but I signed a bra once. Ooh. Well, they weren't wearing it at the time. Uh. <laughs> that was, uh, I like to tell the first part of that story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was actually at a convention in England. It wasn't auto assembly. It was something called London Film and Comic Con. There were these two girls going around to different tables and they, they had a bra and they were having everybody sign it. So well, it was kind of fun, but no, not not exactly what you were thinking of there. But will
2: you sign up breasts?
4: Um, <laughs> depends on if my wife is listening to this podcast today,
2: <laughs> and if she's present. Well,
4: let's uh, let's just say that I'm I'm waiting to find out the answer to that question, just like you are. <laughs> See if the opportunity is ever presented to me.
2: What what I do? Who knows? All right,
3: that's probably a very wise go. answer.
2: Yes. Yeah, let's go, ladies. Let's bring it, bring it together. <laughs> Give them the opportunity.
3: Am I inviting trouble here?
2: Maybe.
3: <laughs> I think Daryl's the one that's inviting you. the trouble.
2: Yeah, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it for you.
0: Yikes, it's all, blame is all
3: going to
2: go on you. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: um, do you actively collect any Transformers toys?
4: You know, I haven't bought any for, for quite a while. I went through a period, um, like, during the uh, maybe Armada, Energon era. Like, that was when I really started to get back into Transformers after a long time of being out of it, uh-huh. I kind of saw, hey, they're, they're coming out with Transformers that turn into cars again. Like last I knew, last thing I knew about was Beast Wars. And while I hear Beast Wars is really, really great. And someday I will watch the whole thing. Um, when I was young and Beast Wars came out, I was one of the truck, not monkey people. And like, what is this? I want nothing to do with this. Um, so anyway, when Armada came out, I, I found about out about it online. I thought, oh, man, they're making Transformers that turn into cars again. So I went out and I bought a few, and I was like, wow, these are awesome. I forgot how cool these were. And I bought almost everything they came out with for Armada and, like, halfway through Energon, I was buying. I got really obsessed, and I, I was buying all these mini-con sets that are, like, repaints of other mini-con sets. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> These things are not that cool. I don't need to be spending my money on, on a thousand different mini cons as like some sort of completist. So from that point, I, I just kind of would pick and choose ones that I, that I like to buy. But I, I'm sad to say in the last few years, I really have gotten out of collecting. Um, I still have quite a few, but uh, I, don't, I don't really actively collect anything right now.
0: Do you have them prominently displayed or are they just sitting in a closet?
4: Oh, no, I have a kind of like a man cave slash studio slash junk room. in my, uh, <laughs> It's a finished room in my basement. It's actually where my drafting table is set up and w- where I do most of my work. Um, and I do have a couple of display cases with, you know, the shelves are full with transformers. They've got, you know, I've got them all hooked up to one light switch I pop on. They all light up. It's very magical and wonderful and beautiful.
5: <laughs>
0: If you could redesign any character from the ground up, giving him a new alt mode and robot mode, uh, who would it be? I would say, um, I'm going to say Scrounge. You know, the little guy from the old Marvel comics? Oh, Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Scrounge needs some love, man. He turned into a wheel. (laughs) He needs, uh, you know, he needs something a little better than that. Um, Maybe like Blaster would be cool. Like Blaster is one of my favorite characters of all time, especially old Marvel. You know, like he was absolutely boss in the old Marvel.
0: Comic. Yes, yes, he um, was.
4: And he turned into a boombox. You know what I mean? It's like let's give that let's give badass blaster a real legit alt mode, and you know have have his alt mode live up to how cool he was back in those comics. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Maybe I'll do Goldbug with him just for fun. <laughs>
5: yeah.
4: Actually, that would be a cool. I thought you know doing a blaster and goldbug team up would be a really cool thing like i know in idw continuity they're totally like goldbug i don't know is he dead i don't know where he is right now after getting you know beat up in spotlight metroplex and i know they did the whole gold fire bumblebee thing and whatever i don't know where goldbug stands but if they ever did like a blaster goldbug team up i would want to be all over that cuz that would be super cool
0: i'd read it yeah
1: have you uh, read the Transformers Prime Beast Hunters series at all? Last that came out last year. Uh, I'm sorry to say
4: that I haven't. No, I, I I haven't been into Prime, not because there's I think there's anything wrong with it, but I just haven't had the chance to watch it or read
1: any of it. Um, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, I was just I was just asking because uh, Scrounge did get a cameo there, but he was promptly killed. Ah, <laughs> Yeah. <Aww, bogus. And, laughs> And you, you can go uh, complain. Send all your complaints to Andrew Griffith and Margaret Scott because they okay. they collaborated to uh, kill him off again.
4: <laughs> well, you know, I guess he's kind of living up to his, uh, you know, what he did the first time around. Really, yeah. did he die as heroically as he did in the uh,
1: original original Marvel comics? No, unfortunately, he was kind of just an extra that got killed (laughs) Uh,
4: well i'll have to take that up with them at at the next convention i see of (laughs) that i'm sure they'll really care what i think
0: (laughs) if you could combine um transformers with any other property in a crossover book what would it be and how would you like to see the story go
4: you know i was thinking about this and and i don't again i'm gonna say something that probably a lot of people don't like won't like to hear but i'm not really um I don't really follow a lot of other sci-fi stuff like Star Trek or Star Wars. Not, I, I don't hate it, I, but I'm not like that guy that would be like, oh, they've got to do that together. Uh, so I think Transformers really need something totally cosmic like that, though, because, you know, I, I prefer space adventure Transformers to like robots in disguise on Earth Transformers. Uh-huh. I feel like, you know, I didn't read the Avengers Transformers crossover, but... I just kind of feel like they, they're not that compatible. I mean, the the like universe spanning war that the Transformers are in compared to a bunch of spandexed people on Earth fighting their battles, it's just totally different. I guess, you know, what would be really cool is if like if you had maybe only a handful of Transformers that were on Earth, like maybe uh, you know, here I go again, but like Blaster or Jazz or some of the Transformers that were like into Earth culture were somehow, like, stranded on Earth, you know, completely separated from their own war and just kind of existed on their own and then could kind of interact with, like, you know, an Avengers type of group or even, you know, how cool would it be to have, like, a Transformer as, like, a member of the Avengers that just kind of is part of the group or something? I know that right. would be pretty cool, to me at least. Um, but as far as, like, a, a direct crossover, I guess... Without knowing a lot about the universe, I'd have to say, like, Star Wars would probably be pretty cool. Hmm.
2: I, I don't know how I would do it, to be honest.
4: Okay. The,
2: the uh, toys have already done it.
4: <laughs> right, oh, yeah, right. they have those crossover toys, that's true. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but that only went in one direction. You had the Star Wars vehicles that transformed, but you didn't have any Transformer characters that turned into Star Wars vehicles.
4: No. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's a good point.
1: So, so You would yeah. have,
4: like, Megatron turn into... The, Death Star or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it turned into like Darth
2: Vader,
1: right? Right, yeah. Star. I think, I, I don't know if it was the Death Star or if it was a Star Destroyer and a TIE Fighter. I don't remember.
2: I think they had uh, Darth Vader that turned into a uh, a Star Destroyer.
1: Yeah. That's what they had. I know th- and,
2: uh, Skywalker was like an uh, X Wing or something. Yeah, because yeah, that, yeah.
4: that sounds about right. I know what that. Are- the planet is the death
2: star, though right didn't they
4: make a planet, or am I imagining that
1: no i think um, you're, I think you're right. they did make a transforming death star, but i don 't remember which character it transformed into it well, either might.
4: way you're right you're right they they should make like transformer characters that turn into those things that'd be pretty awesome yeah <laughs> yeah there's there's totally potential there for you know robots in disguise, you know they disguise themselves as part of part of that universe, you know, like Jetfire turns into an x wing or something like that um yeah, I think that would be cool.
3: Yeah, the Death Star did turn into Darth Vader. I was right. Woo-hoo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did a bunch of those because I I I know they did a they did a tie advance that turned into that into Darth Vader because I have that one. And oh okay, and I think they also did a Star Destroyer Darth Vader too.
4: Now what's the Star Destroyer? I I'm that, sorry, that's I the apologize. big
3: ship at the beginning of the movie. Okay,
1: gotcha. The like wedge shaped uh, ship there.
3: Yeah, what do
4: you call the ship that Darth Vader travels in with, like, the two flat sides and, like, the little pod in the middle?
1: Yeah, that's the TIE Fighter.
4: That's the TIE Fighter? Yeah. Okay. I'm totally losing all of my geek cred right now. (laughs) I'm in such trouble. (laughs) We'll edit this out. (laughs) Okay, thank you. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with it. That's fine.
3: Yeah, at least we were talking about you know the real Star Wars movies and not the prequels. Yeah, yeah,
4: those those things were horrible. You got your credit I did back. Go to see all those in the theater. Um, obviously, I saw the originals. And I think the originals are pretty cool, but like the 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 prequels, I, I actively disliked them. Um, I did not enjoy them at all, and I, I I understand I'm not alone there. Or at least I hope I'm not. No, you're not. No, no, you're not.
3: Speaking of movies, did
0: you see the new uh, teaser trailer for Transformers Four? Uh, yeah, I saw the Super Bowl ad. Uh-huh. And? Uh huh. And looks like another live action movie. Fantastic. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I don't know. I I, I don't want to judge it. I, I'll go see it. I think. Um, but you know, I don't. I don't know. It's not really my thing. I, I did. I have to admit um, the the third Bay movie, um, Dark of the Moon. Is that right?
5: That's the right. Yeah
4: yeah um that was one of the few movies that I actually saw in 3d where I did enjoy the 3d effects quite a bit um but uh yeah I don't know i I think it'll be pretty cool visually probably the fourth movie the Dinobots it will probably be really cool um so yeah uh there you go that's that's what I think <laughs> okay my detailed thoughts on it
2: right would there. you uh would you consider taking your daughter to see it or is she no. uh, just not into it no uh,
4: I wouldn't for other reasons, but uh, she she doesn't really have a lot of interest in, in transformers. Um, I think she appreciates what I do, but you know, like I, I was able to acquire a couple of my little pony books, which she, okay. she absolutely loves, but you know I, I <laughs> my friends laugh because I, I tell them I, I say, "Hey, you know I'll get my comps in the mail and say, "Hey, do you, do you want one of daddy's books?" And she's literally said to me yeah I'm not really into that daddy <laughs> so she's you no know, she's really she's good about it, but transformers aren't really her thing and uh definitely I wouldn't take her to the live action movies anyway because there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm not ready for her to see
2: yeah well, I have a four and a half year old daughter and and we've recently well within the last three or four months, we sat down and periodically would watch the the first three bay movies just to uh, just to go through them. And she's been pretty good with them, but you'd have to cover her eyes a couple of times when it got a little scary, but, uh, yeah, but, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that the theater would be the right place to take her for something like that at four and a half. But yeah, eight, eight's a, a better age, but uh, mm-hmm. if, if she's not into it, she's not into it. Right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I'm not judging either. Hey, whatever, whatever money anybody else is into, that's cool. But uh, yeah, that's, it's just not really her thing. So Casey, yeah. What's the last good book you read? Um, well, unfortunately I don't really get to read much. Um, honestly, I try to read, (laughs) I can't even read a full comic book. I will like (laughs) sit in a chair and start reading and I'll be asleep halfway through it. Um, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but, um, I haven't read a book book in a long time. I would say the last thing outside of Transformers I read was, um, I read the first half of uh, Avengers Arena. I don't know if any of you guys read that. Um, it's kind of like a Hunger Games-like thing featuring some of the young Avengers and you know young Marvel characters, uh-huh. um, which I found out about uh, last year at Free Comic Book Day. I sat down with the guy who writes that, Dennis Hopeless. He shared a table with me. And uh, so I picked up his books, and I, I, I really thought it was pretty enjoyable. Um, but... I haven't honestly read, like, probably the last really good book I read would be, would have been like We 3 or something, which would have been a long time ago. Um, so, for the technical answer, yeah, I'll give you Avengers Arena,
0: or at least the first half of it. Okay. Have any of you read that or heard about it? Uh, I haven't heard of either of those those uh, suggestions.
4: Oh, you've got to look up We 3. Do you like animals at all?
0: Sure. I'm not heartless. Do you like- have a dog, cat, anything like uh, that I used to
3: he lives okay. in Alaska. They have moose <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: unfortunately, there's
3: no moose in in we
4: three, but yeah. uh i it's pretty cool it's it's Morrison and quietly and it's it's only three issues, and it's a little self contained story about these three animals that are basically used as uh weapons they're they're kind of you know enhanced with these you know technological suits and things implanted in their brains and stuff. And turn into weapons, but they really, uh, they really nail like the the stereotypical personality of a dog, a cat, and the third one is a rabbit, which doesn't have much personality and they kind of nail that too. Um, but, but I found it really, really enjoyable. So, you know, if you're looking to have a little uh, quick read there, read something interesting, you can uh,
0: look up We 3. I will certainly do that. All right, cool. Let me know what you think of it. Yeah, I got your email. I will. All right. Uh, um are you've been on a couple of podcasts. You've uh, you've you've done interviews before. Is there any question that you would like to be asked that you're never asked? Uh no. None that I can think of. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No no no, 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 no. This is where we uh move on to the rapid fire questions. We just have a little fun. We ask some silly questions. Are you ready? Sure. Fire away. All right. We'll go as fast as we can. Autobot or Decepticon? Autobot. Uh, Transformers movie one, two, or three?
5: Mm,
0: one. Okay. Uh, Megan Fox or Rosie Huntington, uh, however you say her last name, Whiteley? Uh, can I say neither? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, more Than Meets the Eyes or Robots in Disguise?
4: Uh, robots in Disguise. I, I Hey, I love those guys at More Than Meets the Eye, but I've got to be loyal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Third-party toys, yes or no? Oh. Uh, I don't own any, but I don't have a problem with them. Okay. Cats or dogs? Um, Cats. Coffee or or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Uh, Chicken or steak?
4: Neither.
0: Pepsi or Coke? Neither. Burger King or McDonald's? Neither. I see a trend here. What do you eat? (laughs) Bread and water.
4: No. (laughs) (laughs) I drink mostly water. I, I drink water and coffee. I, I barely drink anything other than that, you know, unless I'm out or whatever. But but for an everyday thing, water, pretty much water, two cups of coffee a day, and I don't do the fast food thing anymore. I used to house McDonald's and Burger King like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. I ate five Whoppers in a sitting once. But uh, <laughs> those days are long behind me. Sorry, I got off the rapid fire thing.
0: No, you're you're totally fine. It's interesting to learn all this stuff. <laughs> History or science? Um, science. Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation. Call of Duty? I know, like yeah. PS2. That's the last one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you played Call of Duty or Battlefield? Uh, no. Okay. PC or Mac? PC. iPhone or Android? Um, iPhone, uh, I guess. Okay. Marvel or DC comics? Marvel. Marvel. And your favorite character from Marvel? Spider Man, I guess. Okay. Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Arnold. <laughs> uh Scarlett Johansson or Angelina Jolie? Uh let's go with Black Widow. All right. Uh, Twilight or Hunger Games?
4: Uh definitely not Twilight. Uh Hunger Games.
0: Pixar or Dreamworks? Pixar. Star Wars or Star Trek? Um Star Wars. Simpsons or Family Guy? Um, Simpsons. Okay. Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? Walking Dead. is the only thing I'm familiar with. Uh Sports, NFL, MLB, uh, NHL, or NBA? Um, Go Major League Baseball. All right. Porsche, Ferrari. Who do you root for in Alaska? Sorry, I'm breaking off the rabbit. No, it's totally fine. Um, If you're uh, an Alaskan, you root for everybody, and then at the Super Bowl, you go for the Seahawks. All right. (laughs) Uh, Porsche, Ferrari, or Lamborghini? Porsche. Blonde, brunette, or redhead? Brunette. All right. Uh, well, that's pretty much all the interview questions we have. Um, if people wanted to buy copies of your work or anything, do you have anything online that they can buy from you directly or, uh, I don't really, I mean, people will contact me for,
4: if they want to buy original pieces, you can do that through my deviant art account, uh, caliber three one six or, um, my Facebook page, which I think is just Casey Collar. Uh, same with, uh, Twitter. Oh, Casey, sorry, excuse me. Uh, Collar on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and you know, when I do
0: conventions then you can buy prints or comics or sketches or whatever else I might have. Okay. We'll put all of that in the show notes for you. All right. Um, you told us how we can find you online. Uh, anything else you want to mention before we sign off on the interview? Uh, no, just, uh, thanks. I guess thanks to people who have listened, uh, to it.
4: Hopefully I didn't bore you too much with any of my answers. Um, certainly certainly not. it was, uh, it was a good time. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, we really, really appreciate, appreciate you coming, you coming out.
1: out. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk with us.
0: Yeah, no worries at all. Glad to do it. All right, Charles, I'm going to hand it back over to you.
1: All right. So uh, Casey's uh, graciously decided to stay for the rest of the show, so we're going to keep things moving on.
5: All right. And,
1: yeah, so uh, thanks for uh, the interview, and we're going to move on with the rest of the show. And we're going to start off with toys. And uh, this week, we had a very special event with Toy Fair 2014 in New York. So I think we're going to let Daryl lead off the discussion, and we're just going to dive into all the stuff at Toy Fair. So, uh, Daryl, please take us into the the next year for Transformers. Looks very exciting. (laughs) All right. Um,
2: Big stuff coming out of Toy Fair in New York this year. We've got... uh, the first day, they announced they had this like um, almost like a presentation slash conference call with the head of of Hasbro, who uh, who mentioned that the Monday before the movie gets released, they're going to have uh, Cybertron Monday, which is like an online online midnight midnight madness event um, that's going to launch various uh, um, uh, times around the world, uh, but leading up. It's going to be leading up to the Age of Extinction premiere uh, on June 27th. They're going to basically uh, sell a whole bunch of, of uh, movie line stuff. So it's only going to be exclusive, avail- exclusively available online. And uh, so look forward to that if uh, if you're looking for uh, movie stuff. Um, now, like I said, we've got lots of stuff coming from uh, Toy Fair. But I went through a lot of the pictures. I think most of the pictures have been uh, posted and I picked out some, uh, some highlights, essentially. Uh, first up, we were given a, um, an image, uh, basically telling us, uh, what to, you know, look forward to, um, when they opened Toy Fair. And that was, um, an image showing, uh, Leader Class Jetfire, Deluxe Class Windblade, and, uh, Masterpiece Soundwave, which I was really surprised with seeing on this, uh, first page. So, does that maybe mean we're getting a uh, Masterpiece Soundwave going to be released again? But, you know, that's that might not be the biggest question here. Our, the, the best news here is we finally got a look at uh, Windblade in this image. So,
4: yeah, the- I enjoyed seeing that myself. I didn't have, like, a full reference image when I drew that cover, so it was nice to finally see the, the whole toy.
2: Yeah, no, that, uh, that uh, Windblade figure looks really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's basically, that came out, the day before Toy Fair opened, and then finally, when Toy Fair actually opened, uh, we got insane amount of pictures, movie stuff, like uh, the the generation stuff. The they call them mashers. Um, they're they're a uh, a really cool little thing that uh, they're showing um, that they their arms and legs break apart and the torsos break apart. and You can combine them with all these other things. Uh, I guess they're already out with uh, with regards to like Marvel characters right now. So you can do that, too. Uh, So you can combine all this stuff together. And, uh, yeah, so they're bringing uh, bringing Transformers into the Mashers uh, fray. So the first thing that I saw that made me jump uh, for joy, essentially, was that Masterpiece Grimlock has got a brand new box uh, and is in line with the new Generations packaging. This is big news for one of our hosts here. Charles, get this thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this is not going to be the this is not the $200 re-release. This is going to be more closer to something I can I can afford.
2: Yeah, this is Hasbro, man. This is going to be this is going to be a good a better price. So you got to get all over this. (laughs) All right. I won't feel bad talking about it anymore.
4: (laughs) Sign me up for that one, too. I I got a chance to kind of mess with one of those. Uh, My friend Alejandro has that guy, and uh, that's a pretty darn cool figure.
2: Oh, if, but, yeah, I don't know
4: if I could justify the price for that. What I really would have liked is the one with the retro comic book box art. Oh yeah, but yeah. that thing was like ridiculously priced.
2: Mm-hmm. The uh, masterpiece Grimlock is quintessential best Grimlock there is out there. Um, so yeah, if if you if you like Grimlock at all and you don't have this thing, it's it's something you've got to chase chase down. It's it's perfect. And there are a lot of people right now spending $200 to get the Takara version because they thought it was the only one getting re-released. And now this coming out um, should be probably pissing off a lot of people <laughs> that have just spent $200. Yeah,
3: but it doesn't look like, I mean, unless they're just not showing it in the picture here, it doesn't look like it comes with some of the extras that you get with the Takara version. like It's the, true. The, um I guess like the apron, the apron, yeah,
2: <laughs> the apron and the tray, the serving tray, right? Yeah, those I can deal without those. I'm I'm not <laughs> yeah, particularly no. worried
3: about yeah, those. This looks like it's strictly what what we got with the first release. But That's what,
1: right. What about that classic G1 episode where Grimlock was serving tea to the other Autobots? <laughs> of course, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have the stuff that can recreate that, right? <laughs> third party, third party.
2: <laughs> um, the next one that stuck out for me was. Uh, generations deluxe g now we actually saw teaser images of this uh way back and they were really tiny but it did show us that it was a, a repaint slash remold of armada star screen which it in fact is um and there are some really good pictures here i only picked one to really kind of illustrate that you know it's out there but uh, they did some extensive remolding on this guy uh new head uh new new wings uh lots of new parts on this guy new guns obviously uh starscream doesn't have guns at all um so yeah it uh the alt mode looks very similar to starscream but the g-axis uh figure uh looks very good now personally i'm not overly fond of this mold being used for g-axis but the the amount of remolding done on them uh, is uh it's pretty good I, I don't mind it too too much
1: that head definitely looks like the idw comics version of
3: g-axis hmm no, definitely yeah, it looks
2: nice. The big boy revealed uh, this time around was Leader Jetfire. And this guy had been teased. We talked about it on a previous, uh, previous last two episodes, actually. But we finally got some really good pictures of him. And he looks amazing. I, I'm so happy with the way that this thing looks right now. Um, I don't know how much this thing is going to cost, but I know that it's going to hurt my bank account when I finally get him. <laughs> but I, I actually really do love the chrome bits on them here. The um, A lot of people are on the fence. Some people really like the chrome, like myself, but there are a lot of people that really do not like the chrome and are already um, already wondering how long it's going to take the third-party companies to uh, recreate these pieces without uh, without the chrome.
3: Yeah, I don't think it really bothers me that much. It looks like it's mainly his weapons. I mean, it's it's very subtle. I mean, it's not like it's chrome all over the toy. Yeah.
2: We got Windblade the next one here. This was what everyone was waiting to see, and uh, we, um, as you heard in one of our in the in an episode that aired uh, last week, we uh, we talked to Margaret Scott about Windblade, and we uh, and we got the uh, images here from Toy Fair. So this is her and her like we've got the first images here of her in her uh, robot mode, and uh, like with these images, you have to remember they're hand painted. So the the um, the robot that you get in the stores is not going to look as, as shiny yeah shiny exactly <laughs> as this um but uh it, it looks pretty good i there's um i'm happy with it it looks it looks decent I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way it looks the vtol jet definitely looks generic enough to to be in disguise if you want to say that
1: i was surprised that her her uh her alternate mode is much more black than i was expecting i was expecting it to be pretty much all red based on the robot mode Mm. it looks cool
2: casey as someone who's done the cover what did you expect or what did you think of seeing uh with seeing the robot the the robot in the alt mode here
4: i think it looks really good i i the wing placement uh i don't know if that's like the correct placement it seems kind of low compared to what uh the uh the images that i saw like the the design sketches and stuff yeah yeah but uh I think it looks really cool. I agree that the alt mode looks really tight. I like the black on it. Um, yeah, I think it's a nice looking toy. I wasn't so sure about it when I first saw the designs. Um, not that I thought they were bad or anything, but just didn't really seem like my thing, but I, I think it looks pretty cool.
3: Mm-hmm. I think it, it is fairly common for some figures to be mistransformed in these, um, like these type of events. Yeah. yeah, the the, the marketing yeah. people aren't really the experts on how the toys should look. Good point. Uh,
2: moving on, we've got a, a Voyager sli- sized road uh, Roadbuster. Yeah, that's him, and uh, yeah, he looks really good. Uh, I'm really impressed with this. So uh, yeah, I mean, he looks he looks like Roadbuster. What do you uh, What do else do you want me to say with this one?
4: think like you. Said it all. It looks <laughs> really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. You know, usually with these things, they they kind of change up a thing or two, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a pretty good representation of Roadbuster, but like, no, that that's Roadbuster right there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I never had Roadbuster as a kid, like the original toy, but uh, but yeah, no, this, I mean, you've got uh, who's putting one out right now? I think uh, one of the third party companies is putting a Roadbuster out right now, and uh, the fact that Hasbro's got this one on the on that the, uh, the 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 way out, it's uh, it's going to mean uh, trouble for them, I think.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: The uh, the next up was, <laughs> I love the the fact that this thing's coming out. We got Sky Skybite Sky, Sky coming. Now I think he's going to be Voyager class because he's paired. He's uh, he's on the shelf with uh, next to Whirl here, and uh, he looks fantastic. He looks so good. Uh, the colors are perfect. The head is is great. Um, even looking at his alt mode, it just looks so good. Uh I I don't know. I was never much of an RID fan. I mean, I watched the the series and stuff like that, but it it just it's a fun little toy.
3: <laughs> yeah, and this the the face especially really looks like he's been looking in the comics. I I'm very impressed with this guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, likewise.
2: And the one that I pulled from the movie line because it's drawing a lot of attention is evasion mode optimus prime and this is the flat nose truck optimus prime and now that's pretty interesting because i think if memory serves correctly they've got this really rusted out truck in the you know that we've seen from uh, like pictures coming from the set and whatnot and i'm trying to think if that's gonna be this you know this optimus so i don't know that's but it looks it looks good in alt mode but transforming it into robot mode um, it looks a, a lot like movie Optimus. So I think that's kind of interesting that they've got that there. So I don't know what to make of it, really, because I'm kind of uh, him and Han on, on what, what the robot mode's supposed to look like. A lot of people are thinking that it's supposed to be IDW Optimus, which it definitely is not. Um, right. But, uh, but it's, it's got a, lo- a lot of movie aspects to it. But then the alt mode is completely G1.
3: Well, I, I was re- I was listening to the the Radio Free Cybertron's Toy Fair um, live stream, and they brought up a good point. It looks like the robot mode has like a fake chest, like okay. like the front of the front of the robot mode is not the front of the vehicle. Right. It's kind of like what Powermaster Prime did. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I think if you look at the box art, the the colors are different. So I think this is a, a more G one repaint. Of the figure, and we're probably gonna get one that's more, you know, with the flames and stuff. That will be okay. with the movie, um, the, cool. the proper movie line.
2: Well, what size way, uh, do you think that is? Oh yeah, uh, that that look, kind of looks a uh, leader class.
3: Yeah, it looks big. Yeah, I, I love the the boxes. How they're like these new boxes that are just presenting the the way they're presenting the the figures.
4: Yeah, it's a nice nice package. The the brand name up the side,
3: you know, very
4: bold. I like it.
2: Very uniform packaging, that's for sure. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I think it would really draw your eye.
2: Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Now, we did see a lot of like a lot of movie stuff and I had a hard time picking what was meant for the Rescue Bots crowd, what was meant for the 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 crowd of, you know, Four to 10 year olds and then what was you know the regular deluxe generation style crowd so i didn't really pull a lot of that stuff out of, out of the pictures but you can definitely see it by going through the links that we've got here in the show notes there was really one interesting thing that that hasbro's been making a real push on it's these one step flip changer care figures and there's a video that uh is on one of these links here i don't have it ready but uh it it literally has one guy pushing a button and then grabbing both sides the bumblebee and splitting him in half at the same time as he rotates it and it basically forms the robot in that one motion and it's 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 brilliant as it is stupid it, <laughs> so I mean it's definitely not for you know the collectors out there who who want a, a figure but it's a, it's brilliant for little kids who who will want to be able to do something really super fast and don't have the patience to sit there and meticulously transform something.
3: I think it's a good thing that they're splitting the line like this where generations is, is what we've, you know, the, the more complicated toys that we're used to. But I, I know just from, from giving some Transformers as gifts, you know, at Christmas and stuff to friends with little kids, they're, they were getting way too complicated for the, the ages where we were, where we first started getting into transformers. Mm-hmm. So it's really smart of them to go back to a lot more basic play patterns to build up this next generation of fans, mm-hmm. to get them into it where, you know, where they can actually have fun with the toys and then they'll be the next generation of collectors.
2: Yeah. Now that's all the stuff that I had pulled um, did anyone else see anything specifically uh, out of uh, Toy Fair that they wanted to, to mention?
1: There is some stuff that came out, like the toys that have implications for the movie that I just wanted to touch on briefly.
2: Go ahead. I mean, spoilers, people. You know.
3: Um, like, we have all the time codes in the show notes, so skip to the next section.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, so um, I just noticed, like,. I guess in the movie trailer we had we had talked about a couple of weeks ago uh you know whether you know one figure was galvatron, so it looks like Jeremy, you were right that big robot was Galvatron, and it looks like he turned into a you know a cab just you know similar to to g one Optimus prime and uh you know,
3: I think we were we saw a picture of that cab a few months ago, and we were wondering who it was. Yeah, I don't think anyone had pegged it as Galvatron at that point
2: No, there were a lot of people thinking that it's going to be Ultra Magnus It might be Motormaster. Right. Uh, nobody nobody had a, a slight clue that it was going to be Galvatron So, that's interesting
1: And, uh, yeah, and I'm just wondering So, you know, given that how big Grimlock is in the movie When he's in robot mode, is he going to look like Devastator next to uh, Optimus Prime? I mean, just you know, if Optimus Prime is riding him when he's a in T Rex mode, you know, how is he going to look like in robot mode compared to Optimus?
2: Yeah, <laughs> who knows.
1: And uh, and yeah, I guess that that two headed uh, pterodactyl is confirmed. So
2: <laughs> as Strafe, yeah, Di- Dinobot Strafe.
1: Yeah, that <laughs> they did they lose Swoop. I don't know. I guess. I'm, I wonder why they didn't use swoop but
3: yeah, I'm sure strafe was a much better idea. it, it, it's, it sounds more violent. Sure. <laughs> it scored well on the, you know,
4: test things that they did.
3: Yeah.
2: It, Swoops too soft. Yeah.
3: Overall, I, I wasn't that disappointed in the Dinobots. I thought, I mean, for, for what they are, they're they're not my classic Dinobots, but I thought they they did a pretty good job. I mean, um slug or slag as i remember him oh he 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 looks really good
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm just i'm getting a little bit concerned about like it seems like all the hasbro people have been talking up the whole you know autobots riding dinobots thing like that that seems like that's a thing now like the whole movie everybody's going to be riding the dinobots and I just, I'm a little concerned about that. I just, I mean, I don't know. A lot of people think it's cool, but I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's kind of like when they made Bumblebee a mute in the first movie, I thought, okay. I mean, and, and actually in the first movie, I thought it kind of worked pretty well, but well, I, I think thought, he okay. He got
3: his voice at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay, they did it for the first movie. He can talk at the end. So the next movie, it'll be fine. And of course the next movie came around he still can't talk the movie. After that, he still can't talk. So, you know, I'm thinking in Transformers 10, are we still going to have Autobots riding <laughs> Dinobots? And I'm like, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't know. It's...
4: Why turn into a plane when you can ride a dinosaur?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, that just has me a little concerned, because, <laughs> you know, sometimes things that are, are should be temporary seem to turn into permanent, you know, tropes in the Transformers universe that I kind of wish weren't. But, that's just me, I guess.
3: <laughs> One thing that um, that I saw that's tangentially related to the Transformers um, was there's a new uh, Marvel's Death Head um, figure. And you know, he he was big in, I guess, the, the Transformers UK comics. But Nick Roach is also um, doing a new a new book for Marvel for Death's Head 2. So I thought did. that was neat. Did it. Or he did it. Yeah, I guess it's already out. <laughs> And you know, That's this cool. figure looks just like I mean it looks just like the comic um representations of the classic figure.
1: Yeah, it's funny, Death's Head kind of had the same uh trajectory that Circuit Breaker did in the comic where like, you know, the the writers are thought, Hey, this is a cool idea, maybe we should save this character and not have it owned by uh, you know, trans by Hasbro and Transformers, so you know, Marvel owns Circuit Breaker, but they never did anything with her. But they did a lot with Death's Head after uh, after Transformers, or took him out of Transformers.
3: Yeah, so I mean, if if anyone's looking for um, like to complete their G one shelf, they can you know get this Death's Head and just stick it up next to them.
1: <laughs> and uh, just uh, I guess one other thing that I noticed was that they they had a a press release about three D printing, and you know we we. Since we had a couple of, of uh, third-party toy designers on the show uh, who were you know, using Shapeways to produce some of their things, it's interesting that Hasbro is now working with a 3D printing company for some future ventures, and I'm sure Transformers will be a part of that.
3: Yeah, that's pretty neat.
2: I also wanted to mention one last thing. As I was going through uh, these pictures here of uh, Toy Fair and whatnot, we had mentioned that... Uh, the wave of figures that's going to include uh, Gaxis and Windblade is also going to include Nightbeat. But we had gotten an image of Nightbeat being made with the the Jazz mold, if you'll recall. Um, but uh, but the official images have been released of Nightbeat, and he is being made with the Bumblebee mold, the new IDW Bumblebee mold, which I think we had just uh, surmised when uh, it originally got leaked is that that makes a lot more sense because it's a lot more of a recent mold so um, yeah like that's uh, I don't know how that, that image with the, the jazz mold got produced but uh, but I think uh, the Nightbeat one definitely will, uh, makes a little bit more sense
3: definitely yeah that's a nice looking toy mm. Photoshop yeah. is a dangerous tool in the hands of the wrong people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, any more Toy Fair news?
2: Um, there's lots of stuff to talk about, but it's not as important as the highlights here. I mean Oh, we forgot
3: the, the Mr. Potato Heads. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what kind of podcast is this?
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't have the link right here, but um
0: Really. <laughs> can't imagine why.
3: I thought they were neat. They have um like a, a Grimlock Mr. Potato Head now and go right with my Optimash Prime here. why not right
0: (laughs) is anybody riding Grimlock
3: I think the didn't the Grimlock one come with a little I can't remember I might be misremembering
4: potatoes riding potatoes
2: (laughs) this is just getting weird
3: yeah (laughs) anyway
2: there was something that before we completely leave Toy Fair um, just prior to uh, Toy Fair opening up the uh, rumor mill had gotten going that um, that the line of Legends class figures and then Creo was uh, being stopped and it was being you know put on hiatus or or whatever. Um, but I think uh, uh, Charles, you and I were kind of looking at this and we had seen that. Uh, uh, well, first of all, Legends class figures are alive and well at Toy Fair, so that seems to be a, a, a rumor completely busted.
1: Yeah, that w- that was great. I was I was really happy to see that because. I'm still looking for a Swerve and a Cosmos, uh, figure. And, uh, and I was looking forward to tailgate. So I'm glad oh, yeah. that that was just a rumor that was totally yeah. untrue. <laughs>
2: and the Creo, uh, the Creons, um, the, the story came out on, uh, on TFW that, that they were being put on hiatus. Now that may still be, um, because we're still waiting on, on wave four, which, uh, contains hot rod of all characters. Um, but, uh, but that wave, this particular Wave 4, um, is, uh, is at Toy Fair. They, they've got the whole wave sitting there. So um, I would have to say that these things are still coming. Why would Hasbro bring, bring this stuff to Toy Fair if they're not intending to, to produce it, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. So mm-hmm. looks good.
2: Now, leaving Toy Fair, I got some good news for Canadian uh, toy collectors We've got new packaging on our generations IDW figures. They're not just blank canvases anymore. Comic looks boxes. Are, we've got our own uh, cards with original artwork on them now. Well, not original, but they've uh, they've they've gone ahead and they've put the uh, the artwork that was on the cover of the IDW comic on the box or on the card anyway, and it makes them look really cool. It, they, they're really nice looking uh boxes now or cards um and uh yeah still no comic which is a bit of a pain in the ass but uh but yeah these things really stand out now they really look nice they were garbage before with just uh stickers that they had put on with Orion packs but uh so every character every every figure you got had a had a a, a sticker of orion packs on it but uh, but now they look pretty good
1: isn't it still kind of taunting you though it's like here's this really nice box art. There's a comic, but you're not getting <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah.
2: We're taking baby steps here. We're, I'm a little, I'm happy that we're getting something that's, that's different.
3: At least it's something to help um, kind of catch people's eyes when they're hanging on the pegs.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. All they, they don't all look the same.
3: now. Right. <laughs>
1: all right. Uh, I think uh, we'll wrap up our toy discussion here. And uh, we'll move on to comics. Hey, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I like those things. Yeah, Casey might have a little something to say about that.
3: <laughs> Maybe.
1: <laughs> so uh, just to start off, uh, and this, this could also be in the toy section, but I just wanted to make a correction because we mentioned uh, back in episode 27, uh, we were talking about the third-party RC figure and i had mentioned that that was based on andrew griffith's design in uh, robots in disguise but it was actually uh based on alex Milne's design from spotlight rc so i uh, just wanted to uh put that correction out there and, and you know so there's no confusion and you know sorry alex for uh not giving you the proper credit uh, a little bit earlier so just want to make sure he, you know everyone knows that
4: <laughs> nicely
1: done <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we don't, we actually don't have a uh, regular comic to review this week uh, uh, since uh, we're just in between IDW's schedule of publishing. Uh, but there are just a couple of news items and then we'll get into our classic review. Uh, so there's a bunch of uh, interviews that went up this week. So we had uh, Simon Furman talking with comic book resources about regeneration one number 100 so he's finishing up that series uh next month
0: that is so depressing <laughs> yes
1: yeah we're we're coming to the end but as simon always says it never ends so maybe maybe there's uh a possibility that uh this will get revisited in the future uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, he he gave this interview. There are some spoilers in there, so if you don't want to if you don't want to know anything about the end, uh, you should avoid it. But uh, if you're curious, you can check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Next up is uh, John Barber and James Roberts did an interview with Icon Underground, and they talked about uh, what's coming up on Dark Cybertron, and then what's coming after that. So there are also some spoilers there. So uh, if you're just following along with dark cybertron and you don't want to know what happens next until you get the issues uh you should avoid it but uh, we'll have the link for you and uh, james roberts did another interview with bleeding cool and uh, it talked more about his uh you know his process in writing there are some small spoilers there but less than the other the other interviews but uh it was really interesting just hear, just reading about his writing process there and uh, we also have a preview of the free Comic Book Day issue of Transformers versus GI Joe. So that's uh, co-written and drawn by Tom Scioli, uh and he's writing that with John Barber. And uh, so they released a couple of pages of that, so you can take a look at that uh, if you're curious.
0: Can Can we talk in generalities about what everybody thought about that?
1: Sure, sure. Yoshi, what did you think? Um.
0: Well, shortly, I'm. I'm. I'm the writing was okay and I'm, I'm not sold on the artwork. Yeah. That that's about where I am too. Yoshi. It's kind of been my concern from the get go. I have high hopes. I know I'll buy the first few issues at the very least, but um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of concern for me about the artwork.
3: Yeah. I think um, that's probably why they, they put out this preview. Cause I know from what I've seen of Tom Skilly's work, it, it does have this style. It's just, it's different. And yeah, like you like you I'll probably give it a shot. The writing is is great. I it it feels like it was plucked right from an episode of either one of the cartoon series in terms of the writing.
0: No, but, I could I could definitely shake the guy's hand and give him praise for doing his research. That's for damn sure.
3: Yeah, and um just the artwork is going to take probably a little bit of time. Yeah, it's like a throwback style. <laughs> it's definitely
4: yeah. Different
1: than what you see in the mainstream books, Daryl. What did you think? Did you take a look at this preview?
2: I'm just looking at it now for the first time. Um, it's definitely a throwback, that's for sure. I, I, I haven't read it, but uh, I personally don't mind the art style. I mean, um, I've been um, while I've been reading R.I.D. and More Than Meets the Eye, uh, I've been re- I've been rereading the old Dreamwave stuff. So I, I've been. I've been immersing myself in all the old art, which uh, you know, uh, and and obviously we've been going over the old Marvel stuff too. So my brain's been processing art from all over the place. So this is not not all that different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it it reminds me of Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns.
2: Really, that was really gritty.
0: Yeah, uh, it's I, I don't know. I, maybe it's the character shapes that that make me think that way, but. I don't know. I you know. It, I think if the writing keeps going, it could it could probably pull it for me.
3: Yeah, for me, I think it's more the 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 robot shapes. The the humans seem to be okay. Yes. So I mean, it, it could be something that it does kind of evolve over time as he gets used to the characters.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, we're gonna have to keep our eye on and check out, and uh, since so. Uh, we know uh Tom Cioli is local to the Pittsburgh area, so we're we're definitely going to try and and get a chance to talk to him uh, before the free book comic book day comes out.
3: Yeah, and I'm still mad that all of the the back issues for Transformers like he apparently he cleared out from our my comic book shop all the old Marvel back issues. So the the only Transformers back issues are IDW things I already have. <laughs>
1: Well, I guess we'll have to take a trip to his house then and <laughs> go through his uh, his boxes.
3: I'm sure he'll let you borrow. Yeah, that's why I have comicsology.
1: Yeah, pick up the IDW Classics volumes. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, so I think that's all the comics news we have, and so we're gonna roll right into our classic review. This is Marvel U.S. issue number 22, Heavy Traffic.
0: Before I get into the, the comic reviews, I do have to mention our, uh, our wonderful clothing sponsor, 80stees.com, who make the best damn t-shirts I've ever put on. Um, I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to bring up this little story. A lot of times when I'm, I'm, I'm working in the background and I just or I'm, when I'm working and I need background noise, I put in a movie to, to help with that. And my go-to movie is Top Gun. Um, that movie is just every time I watch it, I laugh or I see something new. And 80s Tees has about three pages of Top Gun merch that – everything from a flight suit to just corny saying T-shirts that uh, that you guys should check out. I think it's pretty awesome.
3: And aviator sunglasses.
0: Aviator sunglasses. <laughs> Is there stuff uh, about the volleyball scene on there? Uh, let's look. <laughs> well, they've got the leather jacket Maverick wears.
2: Sweet. You can be my wingman anytime, Yoshi. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> You can be mine, Canada. No, I'm not seeing anything specific for the volleyball scene. That's
4: okay. I'll survive without it.
0: All right. (laughs) All right. So we're going to review Classic Transformers issue 22 Heavy Traffic. And this was a fancy schmancy cover Marvel put out. Um, for uh, the 25th anniversary of Marvel Comics. And I believe every issue that came out that month had a cover very similar to this with the the border highlighting all of their key characters. Um, and the, the cover was also supposed to feature the the prominent uh, person or, or hero in that issue. So for this one, we have a mensor who looks a hell of a lot like Megatron. <laughs> uh, and for the longest time, I always thought it was Megatron.
1: I, I still don't i'm still not sure it's Menosaur. i mean i know the wiki says it's Menasor, but i don't know it just doesn't look anything like Menosaur other than that it's purple yeah i, I have if... to agree
3: i saw it and I... immediately thought galvatron yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i hated this cover i had i mean i got the whole 25th anniversary border bit but i had no idea who the character was on the that they were featuring and as I was rebuying all my comics to to get the complete run again, I avoided buying this one for the longest time just because I despise the cover so much.
5: Hmm.
4: Yeah, I can see, I can kind of see Menosor in there, but yeah, I can also see why you're not into it. It's a little, it's a little awkward. I mean, the the head, I don't know, something isn't quite right about it.
1: I mean, it's just generic bot basically i mean it's not any recognizable transformer they right you've got lots of you know very very iconic transformers guys you could have put on there and he's none of them
4: right
3: and the the comiXology version is even worse because they strip out all the the marvel specific stuff so it's basically just a gray border around the image oh wow
0: (laughs) so issue 22 opens up with uh walter barnett and circuit breaker, uh, reflecting back on how they captured who I'm referring to affectionately as the Cybertronian Seven. Uh, these are the seven Autobots from Cybertron that got stranded on Earth from the Space Bridge uh, a couple of issues back. And um, uh, after they uh, they go over the whole sequence of how they captured them, uh, Barnett uh, confronts Circuit Breaker and questions, you know, if this was a little bit of uh, too much unreasonable force. And Circuit Breaker uh, isn't even paying attention, isn't having any of it. She was told to uh, capture Transformers regardless of faction, and that's exactly what she did. And Barnett can't really uh, argue with her and uh, proceeds to hand her a bonus check for $25,000. And Circuit Breaker is almost insulted by this, that she's not doing it for money. She's doing it because she was... Uh, hurt back in one of the very first issues on j b uh Blackrock's oil rig, and that really scarred her emotionally, and that's really her driving motivator behind all this now charles for me the uh the cool part or or the crazy part, depending on how you want to look at it, was how they they captured the autobots here in this flashback they used uh these electric snow missiles um <laughs> w- what do you think about that? <laughs>
1: I mean, I thought it was, I mean, it's definitely, you know, for back in the 80s where, you know, things like EMP and, you know, whatever kind of sci-fi concepts that we take for granted today had not really been, you know, widely disseminated. I thought it was a it was a good explanation, you know, put this superconductive material on all the robots and then let out a burst of electricity that shorts them all out. I mean, that's, that's pretty, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty believable, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess the the only thing that I don't believe is that she's got nuclear powered batteries in her suit. You know, Mike. She, she she mentions atomic micro batteries, and you know, I don't, I, I don't think there's any place for any batteries on her suit. There's
0: there's maybe a couple of places they would fit. In
1: yeah.
0: so. The inappropriate police are going to come after me.
1: But uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, I definitely thought it was it was really cool. And the Autobots of course having no contact with human beings or earthlings before make the same mistake that the the other Autobots did in issue 1. They mistake the machines for the intelligent life forms and and ignore the people and that's how they're able to get the drop on them. Yeah.
0: So uh continuing on uh we we switched to inside the Autobot arc where Ratchet is continuing his repairs to Ot- Optimus Prime that he sustained a few issues back um and that was from uh that was from their attack on the Decepticon base if i remember correctly um but inside the arc we have uh the Insecticon Bombshell who uh snuck in uh during the last issue and he uses this as an opportunity to implant a cerebro shell within Optimus Prime now, when he used the cerebro shell in the last issue on a human, he was actually able to control the human to some extent. He's finding here that all he can do is observe Optimus prime's thoughts to a certain degree, um, which is better than nothing if you're uh if you're a spy working for the decepticons um, uh, and I, I, you know, when I, was, when I was looking back on this section, I thought it was kind of cheesy that uh, the same technology that uh, Bombshells using to control humans he will, would actually work on a Transformer. Um,
1: well, I, I don't know if it's on a Transformer as much as it is on the leader of the Autobots. So maybe if he had injected it into, you know, one of the rank and file Autobots, he would have been able to control them but Optimus Prime, you know, he's he's a cut above the rest. So, he's a little bit his his willpower is a little bit stronger. Oh, that's an interesting
0: take. I totally wouldn't have looked
1: at it that way, and I still don't, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was my take.
0: Uh, yeah, no, and that's that's really I, I you know, this is art and it's open to interpretation, and I just totally didn't go that way. Um, anybody got anything else to to comment on?
3: I, mean, I thought it was less believable that it could control a human over, you know, a transformer.
0: Well they set the they set the precedence that it could be that a human could be controlled in the previous issue.
3: Yeah. I was just saying I, yeah. I found that less believable. Okay. Because I, I don't know, I just it, it would make more sense that he, he would have this ability and could um use it on people of his same race.
1: Yeah, I mean he would he would know more about Cybertronian neurology. Than human neurology since you right. know they just arrived on earth you know a day ago or whatever right yeah, that's a big jump from uh, you know them trying to talk
4: to cars in the first panel or the first page to you know him being able to control a human yeah
2: <laughs> is it just me or is Skids's body all messed up the proportions are all weird and i don't know it just it looks awkward looking at him.
4: Yeah, that, that last panel on page five where his arms are stretched out, I can't tell if that's just supposed to be some kind of perspective or if that's, like, literally his <laughs> arms stretching or, or what's going on there.
2: I don't know. He's a, he's a mess.
0: <laughs>
4: I do love this artwork, but, that yeah, that's a little confusing. Mm-hmm.
0: He was such a predominant character a couple of issues back. I wonder if they're just, you know, making him stick out because of that fact could be because he he does seem out of proportion daryl
1: yeah maybe his since he he only was in like one or two episodes of the show maybe they just didn't do a a lot of work on his character model and you know his character model just didn't get a lot of use so did there weren't a lot of references yeah
0: so uh let's see here um so, Bombshell continues to monitor Optimus Prime as he's uh, as uh, he has a conversation with uh, Robot Master Donnie Finkelberg, uh, and he uh, it, it's it's learned that uh, these Autobots from Cybertron recently got stranded on Earth, and uh, Finkelberg reluctantly agrees to go along with Skids to help find these Autobots. Um, it's actually done in a very co- coercive way where. Uh, Skids steals uh, Finkelberg's check for being Robot Master, uh, which was a, what was it, a $25,000 check also? Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, for just from, from Skids' experiences, he realizes that uh, humans are very motivated by money, and that by holding this, he can, uh, he can force Finkelberg's cooperation. Let's see. So... The next the next thing that goes on here is Optimus Prime sets about the task of uh, using his creation matrix to bring sentient life to the rest of the aerial bots um, and because of the cerebro shell implanted in him, um, Soundwave is also able to monitor uh, uh, Optimus Prime and as Optimus Prime uses the creation matrix which Funnily enough, is uh, appears to still be located in Optimus Prime's head. Um, Megatron is able to also harness this, uh, harness the Matrix through Soundwave to bring life uh, to the Stunticons.
2: <clears throat> I love the way these panels are laid out, just mirrored.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely gives the sense that they have to use uh, the Creation Matrix the exact same time Prime uses it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I love the headset Megatron's got on.
0: It's that's awesome. <laughs> hmm. Really does have a shitty grin on that last panel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
2: like, yeah, yeah, you say it. <laughs> 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 you use that creation matrix.
1: Way to make anything dirty, Daryl. That's my job. <laughs> You know, one thing that I, I noticed on the wiki, I, I never really thought about this before, but the wiki mentions it that, you know, the Aerialbots were already alive in the last issue. And basically the Autobots completely wiped their memories and are basically like, you know, starting their personalities over from scratch. But that actually means that they actually killed the Aerialbots. They euthanized the Aerialbots for their poor performance last issue. And now they're you know re-energizing them or or bringing them back to life so where is, am
3: i
0: where am i where am I getting lost because Superion actually had a full personality installed or full life installed, and the rest of the aerial bots were acting as just kind of oh God, now that I think about it, you're right
1: no they yeah so they didn't they didn't have their personalities complete, but they had been, they were they were alive, so you know I guess in transformer terms they were like you know babies or teenagers or you know kid. Kids who hadn't had their full, you know, come to their full adulthood with their whole personality yet. Other they weren't than so, mature. Yeah, they weren't mature, but they were alive.
3: Well, so. I, I don't think they killed them here. I think they just lobotomized them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that makes it right? so much better. If if they if they if they didn't kill them, they wouldn't need to re to re energize them with the matrix. The matrix is what yeah. gives them life. So if they're already alive, they don't need the matrix again. Shit just is de- got this real.
2: Is, yeah, this is deep. Uh, yeah, well,
1: I mean, it's it's already been
2: established on the uh, I think two two issues ago that Optimus Prime does not care about his soldiers. He's a bit of a dick, <laughs> right? When he leaves Skids for dead, so you know, euthanizing his you know his soldiers so he can just implant new brains in them is you know that's not too far fetched. Part and par with the course. Casey, thoughts?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Spay and neuter your animals. That's all. yes to say. yeah, yeah. Yes. When
1: when does that part happen? <laughs> I'll and, let you know. So, I mean, we we have to give credit to whoever wrote the article on the TF Wiki because I never thought about it that way before, and they they had it in their notes, like. <laughs> And it, it kind of makes logical sense. <laughs> I'm
0: well, happily going along enjoying rereading these issues, and that just threw a wrench in the whole damn thing.
3: You may have to go re- re-edit your blog post.
0: Yeah.
1: Based on some new information, this is what really is going on. <laughs> all right, continue. Didn't mean to derail the, the review. That's <laughs> all good.
0: Um, so continuing on, uh, we cut to uh, Skids and Finkelberg. Um Who are driving in search of the autobots and they quickly come upon a fallen uh power tower or power lines that have excuse me uh have entrapped some people uh, in their car so skid stops to help and um Finkelberg is doesn 't care he wants to get this over with he wants to find the autobots get his money and move on with his life he's he 's dealt with enough robots in his his day. <laughs> And, uh, I think he just wants to get back to Marvel comics and start writing again. Um, (laughs) but this incident is reported on the local news and, uh, all our key players, uh, notice this, the Decepticons notice this, uh, Mr. Barnett notices this, the Autobots notice this. Um, and, uh, Circuit Breaker, uh, just immediately wants to go out and, uh, capture these guys. Uh, Megatron wants to send out the Stunticons and make sure that uh, what the press is reporting is that all humans should hate all Transformers equally. And um, I believe Optimus Prime wants to send out the Aerialbots just to provide uh, some support for Skids if he needs it. Um, so uh, after, uh, after Skids and Finkelberg are done uh, rescuing uh, uh, the people from the power lines, uh, they head into a hotel where we learn of a brand-new flaw that Autobots apparently have, which is an off switch. Um, (laughs) Skids asks Donnie to turn him off as he goes to retire for the night in a hotel, and by pushing a red button on the only red button on his console, uh, Skids is down for the night. Um, The next morning, he gets up, he jumps in, he turns, uh, turns Skids back on, and unbeknownst to Donnie and Skids, the Stunticons are parked right next to him, as they pull out and uh, the stuntacons realize that this is uh this is who we're going after and they pull out of the hotel as well and a huge battle occurs on the freeway where the stuntacons are just wreaking havoc uh on anything and everything um let's see here uh uh Donnie, uh jumps out of skids to to uh hunt for cover um Rat uh, shows up, um, and Rat is uh, uh, Circuit Breaker's team. The, uh, God, I wrote this down so I wouldn't do this. The Rabid Anti-Robot Assault Team is what Rat stands for. So uh, they show up. They start fighting the Stunticons, um, and during the battle, uh, the Aerialbots show up. Uh, and, of course, both parties combine into their alter egos and start fighting. Um, and uh, uh, Circuit Breaker fires and distracts Superion, uh, which kind of causes him to lose the fight with um, uh, Mensor. Am I saying that right, Charles?
1: Mensoor, Like, Menasor. you know, menace to society. Right. Um, but also, uh,
0: that blast from Circuit Breaker uh, knocks her out, a little knocks her out, and she starts to fall. And... Uh, 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 Barnett comes in and saves her right before she hits the ground. Um, and kind of a Billy D.
1: Williams pimp moment there. It is, Barnett. it
0: is. And I, he, he literally swings in from what I'm not sure. I believe it's a chopper. Yeah, yeah, it's a chopper.
1: And uh,
5: uh,
0: with uh, with these two uh, Transformer Titans down, uh, Finkelberg gets back into skids, and uh, they drive off. And uh, uh, as soon as it gets dark, they pull into another hotel where uh, Skids shuts down... Or, I'm sorry, Finkelberg shuts down Skids again for the night, and Finkelberg goes to the first payphone he can find, and he calls Rat uh, uh, about uh, the Transformer he has, Skids, for a $50,000 reward. And that pretty much ends the issue. Um, it was uh, it was definitely an, a gnarly battle there at the end, seeing everybody fight, and I'm sure it helped sell a lot of toys, but it was... Uh, it was a nice long battle. It wasn't too wordy, in my opinion. Um, anything to add, Jeremy?
3: Uh, not really. I mean, um, you know, like you said, a really nice battle. Unfortunately, I never had any of these toys. The only combiner I had was Devastator. But um, yeah, I mean, it just progresses the story nicely. And I, I, like you, I don't understand why an Autobot would have an off switch. <laughs>
0: It is a plot device. <laughs> that's 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 what it is. It's not an off switch. It's a plot device.
3: Right.
2: In the uh, in the panel that's on, I guess it's page eighteen, and uh, mm-hmm. you're looking at the bottom where Menosor and and Superior are, are gonna just start fighting. It. What is is Menosor holding his gun at all? I mean, is it just hanging there? What? Like, I don't get how oh, that's staying there where it is. It's, oh, I
4: noticed what you're talking about. It's almost like it's holstered to his uh, yeah side of his
1: leg there. It looks right. like they
2: meant for it to be held, but it's not because <laughs> it's the hand is clenched in a fist. But yeah,
1: well, it, it it must be magnetically attached to his hip like a holster must be must but be. Actually, on the next page, <laughs> you can see there's another shot of Menosor in the in the second panel where he's you know he's kind of twisted oh, yeah, and the I gun did. is still at, at his leg. So you're right, yeah you're right so i guess Just that's third it. leg <laughs> <laughs> A i did magnet holster i i did like how um megatron's plan basically worked like you know he said he had the Stunicons protect skids to make it look like they were all in league and so of course circuit breaker is like yeah i almost believed your stupid story but you know they're just lies, and you're a. Tra- he call- she calls Donnie Finkelberg a traitor for working with the robots.
0: I really want Circuit Breaker to be awesome, but she's just such a one-dimensional character to me right now.
1: Yeah, I think she kind of shines in the next issue, I thought, but uh, then we don't see her for a long time. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I try to think if something that traumatic happened to me, if I would just be on a one-track mind or not. I don't know. It's stuff like that can can really pull me out of a story. But I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it 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 also, you know, it seems like she can only kill Autobots. It's <laughs> it's like, why don't you focus on the Decepticons once in a while? I mean, I know you don't you don't see the difference, but it's funny because she she notices, oh these robots are actually fighting back. You're like, yeah, maybe the ones who are more aggressive are the bad guys. The ones you should should focus on the ones who don't attack you right away. Yeah. It's easier to subdue them probably because they don't attack you and you might actually be able to work with them. The light bulb goes on.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I just say, I like back on uh, page 13, some of the old, like, I, I don't know if these were taken from the tech specs, but it really seems like they are when, uh, I think it must be Breakdown and uh, one of the others. Not to worry, Motor Master. My compressed air gun is blowing all this stuff away. <laughs> Have a mechanical malfunction courtesy of my concussion cannon. Like that weird
0: forced dialogue. It's, it's really kind of cool and retro. We're going to get all of these in the toy packaging.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the panel where they're introducing each individual um, you know, um, aerial bot.
1: Yeah, and they did the same thing in this issue for the Stunicons, where there's, you know, Dead End hears you, Megatron. Ditto for Wild better. Right. They won't get away from Breakdown.
3: Right. Yeah.
1: I, I, yeah,
4: that's like the type of dialogue that they, you know, pay tribute to in the uh, RID
1: annual. Yeah, that's right. The one, the pages that Guido Guidi drew. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I hate it when I'm reading these old ones, but I thought that was a nice, you know, nice touch. Mm hmm.
0: I think I'm going to regret this once I say it, but because we've got our artist Casey on the on the horn here, it's I'm just really focusing on the art. The very last page, the the last, the second to last panel, the the clerk working at the hotel, I thought was really well put together. For whatever reason, it just it looks good to me. He looks good to me.
4: Oh yeah, kind of hunched over reading the paper. Yeah, his yeah, face. I mean,
0: you could you can see the
4: age. I like the way uh, Perlin. I like his artwork. Altogether, but I like his humans. I think they they have good kind of personality to them,
3: especially as Billy G. Williams.
5: Yeah, <laughs> I, think have,
3: uh, I think you need to
0: have I think you need to have Barnett and Circuit Breaker on your uh, Blaster and Goldbug team up book.
4: I'd be all over that. <laughs> you go,
1: GB, Black Rock, everybody. Yeah. One thing I that always bothered me with perspective and scale was. On page 22, like the last panel on page 22, where you see Skids and Superion's head in the background. And it's like, I thought Superion was only made up of five regular-sized Transformers. Here, it looks like his head is like the size of, you know, five Transformers by itself.
0: Buddy, if that kind of perspective is bothering you, the rest of the series is just going to be a headache.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for some... uh, I don't have a problem with anything else, but for some reason <laughs> that one panel just bothered me.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's always been like in the old school stuff that, uh, I guess even in, in like all hill Megatron and stuff, the perspective on combiners is, it, it gets a little weird. Yeah. It's, uh, the whole mass shifting thing,
0: you know? Right. I got nothing else. We got to the end of the book guys. <laughs> Daryl, you got anything?
1: No, I'm good. Cool. Casey, you have any final thoughts? No, I really enjoyed looking back on this stuff.
4: I I haven't looked at this in in a
1: long, long time. But, yeah, I enjoyed it. Cool. All right, so uh, that'll finish up our uh, comic section, and we're going to move on to our trips to the store. So, uh, Casey, since you're a guest, why don't you start off and tell us uh, something interesting that you've picked up recently?
4: All right. Um, I haven't bought any toys recently, but... um a friend of mine who's a pretty talented uh, customizer, he goes by the name of uh, Aladromo on um, TFW. He made a gift for me, which is a Generations Orion Pax, which was repainted as Cup. So let's see if I can get that into view there.
1: pretty sweet wow. figure. Oh, Ooh. that he looks good. The,
4: uh, the, is that a Sygar? Igear. Yeah, yeah, it's the iGear head. I actually bought the head and sent it to him. And he bought the Orion Pax figure and painted it up to look like Cup. Nice. Pretty sweet. So that's what I got. That that's very looks a awesome. lot better
3: than the, the official Cup that came out a while back. Yeah,
4: yeah, totally. I, I like him a lot better than that one. But if you guys are into that, that type of thing, uh, go on the TFW boards. His name's Aladromo. He's done a bunch of cool stuff. He made an Ironhide for me out of, um, I, I don't even, I think it was a Hulk, uh, you know, the Marvel crossover thing a Hulk figure that turned into some big truck, but he took an iron head, iron hide head and painted it all red. Looks really cool. But anyway, this is my figure
1: that I'm sharing. Cool. (laughs) Nice. What do you guys got? Yeah. Daryl, why don't you uh, keep us moving here?
2: Okay. um, Let's see here. Um, I've got a pretty big list going here. Um, So let's see where, where to start. Um, Show
0: mercy, Daryl.
2: Yeah, right. Um, uh, I shipped my BBTS pile of loot so uh, i I got this one here this is uh fans project diesel it's uh the box is empty that's because I, uh, I went and started putting the thing together and uh, here is uh, here is my togetherness so that's uh fans project Manasaur. hopefully you can see it all
3: it kind of ties into the comic we looked at
2: <laughs> very nicely yeah so that's uh He's big, he's heavy, he's extremely poseable. I, I love this thing. It's, it's insane. It's just so cool.
0: That looks nice. Yeah. Does his gun stick to his thigh magnetically? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, not magnetically. I might be able to peg it in somewhere, though. <laughs>
0: um,
2: let's see. Uh, what else here? Um, next on my list, I got <clears throat> Armada Starscream. So in the BBTS box... The U.S. packaging, I got the comic, which was Mortar the Meets the Eye number 22. So, yeah, this is really a, a very cool figure. I, I like it a lot. Um, I think the Takara version is going to have a better paint job than this, but uh, this, this was really cool. I liked it. Uh, so definitely pick this up if you get a chance. Um, the next one I had was uh, a little third-party add-on. This is called Omega Launch. I've already done a review for this, so the... the uh, the uh, the link for that's going to be in the the show notes there, but it's just a small little add-on for launchers for uh, a masterpiece Prowl. So you give him uh, you know shoulder rockets there, and uh, he looks really good. He also comes with stickers if you if you can notice there the uh, the stickers on his shoulders and whatnot. They're not uh, they're not uh, you know they don't come with them, so that's pretty cool. And then these ones are the ones that also fire, and they're not that. Fire is the wrong word, but they they do dis they they do come out, so you can pull them out there, and that's it's really cool. I like this this set a lot.
0: Is that the is that are those the guns you and I were talking about on a previous episode where um, I, it it's supposed to use like a, a a we made a joke about it, the ball fitting down the shaft and popping it out.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Is it? Is, are you disappointed with it?
2: No, actually, I'm not. Uh, I'm actually pretty happy that there's no spring in there because um, I was I mentioned it in the review that if you were to you know grab the figure like if if I had this on the shelf and I went to grab it and I accidentally hit the launcher yeah. and it just fired these things off into you know nowhere um, and I lost one that would be a huge pain in the ass so I'm actually really happy that these things are you know the way they are and if you wanted to actually play around with them you physically got to take them out of there by hand and you know move them around so you know for collectors who who just want to sit these things on a shelf and make them look cool that that's perfect that's 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 exactly what i wanted
0: all right cool
2: um another thing i got was uh we were talking one of our uh interviews uh, a number of weeks ago now was with uh, echo transformer and uh his uh his third party add-on kit with the uh with the help of X X uh, Transbots came in, and so this is the Fall of Cybertron uh, Bruticus with uh, with all the parts, and it's awesome. It's really good. I know the lighting down here is terrible, but uh, yeah, he's he's really good. Very sturdy.
3: How much does that kit run?
2: Uh, Fifty five dollars.
1: That's not bad. No. Is and is that what they call Boosticus? The Boosticus upgrade kit?
2: Yep, that's it. It's uh, the Boosticus Kiss uh, retail uh, kit, and uh, yeah, he's it's really good, really good kit.
1: Nice. Yeah,
2: I'll do a review on this one once I figure out how to put it into the uh, the, the the trailer mode because all those bits combine into a trailer too, right? So, and uh, that's just phenomenal. I have no idea how he made it managed to do that. <laughs> and uh, lastly, I did get uh, to my comic book store, and uh, I picked up uh, Nick Roche's. Death's Head too comic, and I, yeah, I read cool. I read through this, and uh, I, I I didn't read any of the uh, the um, the UK comics, so I honestly I read through this front to back and had absolutely no idea what the hell was going on with Death's Head, um, but it was uh, it was a good story. It was kind of funny. Um, I liked the uh, the 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 time shift back and forth that was going on. It was it was neat. So uh, for having no, uh, you know concept of the character going into it i found it uh, pretty entertaining and and the art's fantastic nick roach did a good good very good job and are you going to uh, continue picking it up well it's just a one shot right so uh oh yeah it's just one book um but uh but yeah it's it seems to be a uh the revolutionary war is what it's what it's about um some kind of thing marvel's got going on now and and uh i probably will be done with it i'm, I'm not it's something to do with Captain Britain and all that stuff. They're just characters I'm not really familiar with, so I'm I'm just glad I got the one. And uh, and the last book I grabbed uh, this week was uh, Dark Cybertron, Chapter Nine, uh, Robots in Disguise, Twenty Six, the uh, Casey Collar cover. Yeah,
4: that looks familiar.
2: Yeah, <laughs> pretty damn good cover, this one. Thank you. No problem. It's all Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's very good. Um, we reviewed this uh, book last uh, week, but uh, but no, uh, this uh, this book was very good. I went to the comic book store with my friend Dog Cates, who uh, who loans me a lot of figures and is a real good friend of the show. And he, uh, I watched him sit there and buy four copies of this book. So, uh, oh wow! So he's a, he's a real big fan.
1: Sweet, yeah. Did he uh, did he buy all four Casey Collar covers, or did he mix it up?
2: He mixed it up. He got uh, he got one one of Casey's. He got two of the world covers, and he got uh, he got one of the retail incentives. So yeah, uh, four covers. Okay. I don't know. That's what he wanted. But uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it was pretty good. He's a big fan of the books. So yeah, if uh, if uh, IDW is ever in in uh, in fear of uh, you know physical comics uh, dying out, uh, my my buddy Dog Gates he'll he'll come to the rescue
3: single handedly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. But uh, yeah, that's it. I think I did. Uh, I think I did pretty well <laughs> this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yoshi you usually put us to shame, and this week was no exception. <laughs> all right, uh, Jeremy, what did you get?
3: Uh, not nearly as much. I, all I did was uh, I got the Transformers um, Collectors Club magazine in the mail. Uh, it has stuff about the the Botcon theme a um, the comic in there that kind of leads the story on what the the box set figures are going to be. I picked up, went to my comic books shop, uh, picked up Regeneration 1, number 98. Got the the Guido cover. This, um, I I don't really pick what covers they give me. I just, I have my pull list and I just, you know, take what covers that they have in there for me. So I also got Robots in the Skies, number 26, and More Than Me, CI, 26. And they both ended up being the KC covers. (laughs) So I, I, I really like them both. So (laughs) um, that's pretty much all I got this last week. All right.
1: Uh, So Yoshi, what did you get?
3: Well, uh, I did something I wouldn't
0: uh, recommend or suggest to anybody because it could have gone really south for me. Um, One of the comic book forums I frequent, um, one of the things I do every day is I I just do a search for Transformers. And uh, somebody posted a thing looking for um, a specific issue and I I replied back to him in a private message, and I said, you know, I don't have that, but as a fellow Transformers fan, maybe you're, you've are you got some of these back issues I'm looking for. And I specifically asked him if he had the original run of Transformers just beat-up copies, because um, I think it would be really cool. And I do have several beat-up copies. I don't have the, the complete set in a beat-up form, but it's one thing to say, you know, you've got Transformers number one or Transformers 80, and maybe you've got it cgc or or displayed in a way it's a whole nother when you can actually hand the book to a buddy and be like, yeah, here it is. You you can touch it. You can flip through it. You can read it if you want. And in the back of my head, I also have a one of the old time metal uh, comic book spinning racks where I can put these older issues in. Um, anyways, this guy did have, uh, the entire run, uh, really beat up. He said, and for 40 bucks, uh, I bought them and he shipped them and I picked them up today. Um, just it was such a casual conversation and interaction that it, it it could have just been somebody that took my money and ran. But he shipped them. I haven't even opened up the box yet, but the box looks like it totally has got all eighty issues
1: in it. Nice, that's very yeah. sweet. Yeah, I've I've got uh, the entire run, and pretty much all my copies are kind of beat up copies. So see, I've got a mint
0: run, and I've got almost all of them beat up. But I I want to try and make sure I've got the whole thing beat up. Oh, uh, Okay. Cool. So that's that's my OCD for the day. <laughs> what about you, Charles? What did you pick up this week?
1: Yeah, so I'm kind of completely redundant to everybody else. So I, I didn't get any toys, but I picked up a bunch of comics, pretty much the same comics that everyone else got. So, uh, of course, uh, Casey Collar, Robots in Disguise, number 26. I love this Prime versus Prime cover. So thank you, Casey, for drawing that.
0: Sure
1: man. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: He did it just for you. <laughs> <laughs> I had you in mind.
1: <laughs> and uh, if, uh, I'm hoping I can get to one of the conventions this year, and maybe if you're there, I'll get you to sign it. And Yeah, I'd be happy to. Cool. Uh, I also was able to get the retailer incentive by Livio Ramondelli. So that's the Metroplex versus the Necro Titan. So that's pretty nice. cool. And, uh, I also, uh, like Daryl, I got the Revolutionary War Death's Head, uh, book. And, yeah, it was nice to see, uh, so I read some of the UK comics that featured Death's Head, but, uh, I didn't read any Death's Head comics by himself, so I was pretty much lost on the story as well, but, uh, the art was great, and, uh, like Daryl, I think I'm not picking up any of the other Revolutionary War books, but, uh, looked cool. And, uh, like Jeremy, I also got the Collector's Club magazine, so, uh. And my, uh, my subscription uh, runs out in March, so i got to re-up with the Collector's Club in March. So, yeah, so just a comic book uh, week for me. No no toys this week.
4: Nothing wrong with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then how do I, I...
2: How do I keep this uh, podcast alive? <laughs> just going toys.
1: Daryl, you're carrying us all on your shoulders. <laughs> That's
2: right. Financial burden I bear all on my own. <laughs>
1: So we're back from our trips to the store, and now we are going to move into transforming pop culture. And this is the segment where we try to find elements of Transformers that have made it to the broader popular culture and just try to highlight them. So, Yoshi, you have an interesting thing where uh, there's a blog branded in the 80s that has has a bit of a similar mission. So why don't you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, you know, I've uh, I've been on a huge nostalgia kick recently, and to the point where uh, I even put in you know eighties blogs into Google, and one of the results was branded in the eighties dot com, and this is a guy who just writes about shit from the eighties that he remembers, that he has, or that he did, or that his friends have, or, or whatever crosses his his plate that he has, and one of the things he's he's been doing, and I hope he continues, is He'll, he'll pause movies that were uh, released in the 80s, especially when uh, the scenes take place in a bedroom, and he'll document everything in everybody's bedroom that he sees. Um, uh, you know, I think we all do that now when we're watching the Goldbergs because that show is just a huge nostalgic trip for everybody here. Uh, but he'll do this with movies, and so far, uh, the last time I checked, he's done three movies, um, Adventures in Babysitting, the Explorers and "Flight of the Navigator," all really cool '80s films. Um, and just uh, just to, just to you, you really need to check out the links that we'll have in the notes so you can see them. but just to point out a couple of things he's found in, in these bedroom scenes, uh, in Sarah's room in Adventures of Babysitting," uh, he's found a Transformer's walkie-talkie, um, <clears throat> smoke screen, uh, sound wave an actual cassette player sound wave and a snarl wall clock. Um, a lot of these things I had never seen before in my life. Um, so it was kind of cool. Cause he, he'll, he'll blow up the picture. He'll try and find, uh, an actual like uh, product shot of, of the item. And, uh, he just kind of talks about them. He'll, he'll mention like if he had them or how cool it was or how crappy it was. Um, in the Explorer, in one of the scenes, he sees, uh, the kid playing with, um, uh, a laser and buds, buzz saw, a couple of sound waves cassettes there, and in uh, uh, Flight of the Navigator, one of the characters is fiddling with a a shrapnel uh, insecticon. So yeah, it's a, it's kind of a cool little uh, trip down memory lane. At least it is for me. If you guys are interested in in Transformers or eighties culture, check out his blog. We'll have links to these specific posts and just the blog in general for you to check out.
1: Cool.
3: I've had a lot more than just the transformers mentioned there. And it brings back a lot of memories. Yeah. Like, like in flight of the navigator, I totally had that red cassette player.
0: Yeah. It's uh, i I, I've noticed things like that too, that I either had or didn't have, but I was, I was just focused on the transformers for this.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are merchandising things that I had, at least I didn't remember or just didn't, I don't think I ever saw like, I, I think I had Transformers bed sheets when I was a kid, but I never saw like the Snarl Clock. I mean that that just looks. I I don't know who came up with that idea, like to put Dinobots on the on a wall clock. I mean that's that's pretty wild. <laughs> that just shows you how big Transformers were in those first two years that they came out. Yeah.
0: I, uh, you know, if if I were old enough and had any kind of financial security at that in the eighties, I would have bought all of this stuff. <laughs> all right. Oh, so according to the according to the post about that clock, apparently it has a reversible plate. So, uh, uh, bombshells on the other side of it. Oh, neat. <laughs> it's like two clocks for one. Anywho, I interrupted you. Moving on, sir.
1: No <laughs> <The> problem. <laughs> All right uh, so that'll wrap up our Transforming Pop Culture segment so uh it still exists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shows have been running a little bit long so we've had to skip it the last couple of weeks but uh it's always good to to see when Transformers, you know, makes it outside the fan community and and can be brought to a wider audience. So it's always interesting to see that. All right, uh, so we'll we'll end the show with some feedback that we received. So I've been, uh, you know, every every week I've been asking people, please give us some reviews on iTunes. You know, rate us on Stitcher, like our Facebook page. Just uh, give us some feedback on social media. And someone came through. We got a review on iTunes. Uh, Sweet, a, a five star review from Omega Trooper Three Two Seven.
0: My new favorite person.
1: <laughs> uh, he says great show i just found out about the podcast started listening to the back issues to catch up very informative entertaining so that was on february 5th so thank you omega trooper 327 we hope you're still listening and uh we're very happy to have you
3: we also have you one rock, from man. february 14th oh wow really after you after you check that oh cool from our username karuba so they've been a fan since the first episode and they've Think it's one of the best transformers podcasts around. So wow,
1: Oh, that's cool.
3: Your your begging works, Charles.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. His name was Karuba. Yeah. All right. Thank thank you very much, Karuba. I I really appreciate that. That's a cool name. Awesome. So
0: just because we've had two people give us five star reviews, we still we we need a few more than two guys.
1: Yeah, and we'll we'll have links in the show notes, so every every episode has a link that you can follow it's, if you.
0: It's practically effortless. Just just <laughs> just seconds of your time. It would help us out so much.
3: And Yoshi's favorite person list has no definite end.
1: No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. But at the same time, spots are limited, so you got to get in there right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, We also got a comment on Facebook uh, from back in episode 19. So uh, our uh, friend uh, Matthew Ignash, uh, also known as Scaleface, uh, he gave us – he mentioned that uh, he had found a uh, a fan dub of one of the Headmasters uh, TV show episodes from Japan uh, and – he was trying to find it for us, but he it was taken down from YouTube. But he did actually find it now, and he gave us a link. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes, and you can check out uh, some work that uh, people did to bring the Jap- Japanese headmasters to a Western audience. Uh, you know, with a with a really nice dub. So uh, I, I've only gotten a chance to watch a couple of minutes of it, but it, it looked really good. They they spliced in uh, some audio from like the the official. Uh, Transformers cartoon and movie and then also got some really good people uh who were uh, good uh, good imitators of the original voice actors so you should check that so, out
0: so so that I understand this correctly this was this was a Japanese cartoon Headmasters that fans dubbed into English which helped whoever the powers it be actually release an official English dub no. Headmasters no. okay
3: what happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened is you have the Japanese series Headmasters that yes. was released in I think like New Zealand or Singapore somewhere in that part of the world in an English dub that was absolutely awful uh-huh. <laughs> they they like renamed characters like Blaster was named Billy, <laughs> and um I think um the Matrix was called the Power Pack just things like that it's just awful. So this is a group of fans that wanted to make it as close to the U S you know, G one as they could. Uh-huh. So um, the only thing that has been officially released was um, shop factory has released the series subtitled with the Japanese audio. Oh, <laughs> so I, I believe you can still find that if you want to.
1: So is this, have, have you guys, you, you said you watched a few minutes of it, Charles. Is it good? Yeah. I mean, it's the animation is really nice and the, the you can tell the people who are dubbing it have really put a lot of effort into it, and so you know they they made they made a lot of work to kind of fit the the Japanese storyline with with what the U.S. Uh, um, you know what the the U.S. season one, two, and three uh, had been doing, and you know make it consistent. That's kick ass so uh yeah i i didn't get to watch the whole thing just because i I ran out of time before we started recording but uh, i'm i'm looking forward to watching the whole thing hell yeah so i think uh that'll wrap up this episode and uh i i think we also want to give another big thanks to casey collar for sticking around and uh, talking with us and no problem i had fun thanks thanks again for having
0: me yeah we really appreciate it thank you so much
1: yeah no worries man and uh just to remind you again, if if, if you're liking the show, please uh, you know give us some thumbs up on social media, give us some likes on our Facebook page, rate us on iTunes and Stitcher where we are available, and uh, just help us out and help us you know reach more fans. And uh, that'll do it. So uh, thanks, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks
0: for picking up our transmission. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com where you can find all of our contact info on social media and links to all of our show notes discussed in each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.